0: It is that one night a year, Jason Snell. It is the time that everybody has been waiting for. It is the fourth annual Upgradies. Our Upgradie Awards for 2017. Happy New Year, everybody. There is no better way to kick off 2018 than looking back at 2017 and handing out the most prestigious awards in podcast form that exist. Jason Snell, welcome to the Upgradie Awards.
1: Oh, it's time. The fourth... Fourth annual. That means that it's legitimate because it's been around for many years. Many
0: years. Many years. More years than we can
1: count. Oh, no. It's four. It's not that high.
0: We can count that high. So I want to just reiterate um, the the rules of the upgradies and the slight changes that we've made this year. So... Mm -hmm. In discussing, when we were having our pre uh kind of award meeting, right, where all of the yep. the, the people, they, the, the uh, what are they called in the Oscars, right? You've got like the the body of people that make, like the judges, there you go, the
1: judges yeah, or sure. the adjudicators. The, yes, the academy, the judges, the, the academy. uh
0: yes. Mm-hmm. When, the, when we got together to have our discussion about how the upgrades were going to go this year, we decided that we wanted to keep the categories the same because that makes sense. But that there were some categories where we were struggling to come up with good answers for that were new and fresh. So we decided this year that we would open up our upgradians voting much wider than
1: before. Right. Previously we we had asked the Upgradians to basically vote on things we suggested and or fill in a fill in the blank kind of other. Mm-hmm. And this year we just left it wide open. Yep. So we're integrating the upgradians even more because The fact is, Upgrade listeners, you are the Academy for the upgradies.
0: But, as I've mentioned and we've mentioned many times, the Upgradey Awards is not a purely democratic process. So we will be talking, (laughs) if me and Jason have uh, nominations, we will give our nominations and explain why. We will then go through the top three nominations from the upgradians for uh, every category. And then me and Jason will take all of this into account and decide... Our winner of each category yes and as is tradition for the upgradies there will no doubt be some bargaining involved uh as we go through the categories because no i doubt. think me and jason tend to have pet categories i know what mine
1: is already um and we'll see how that pans out but the, there's some the horse mac trading and all of that now all the years i did the eddie awards at MacWorld and mac user um that the there were those you know, meetings where things would get debated and people would make their arguments and and there would be potentially like horse trading and things like that. Oh, uh, well, okay, we give this thing this award, but that means we could give this other thing this award and isn't that better? And that was all done behind the scenes. And what you saw, if you were reading those magazines back in the day was just sort of like, here they are, the winners. Um, but here we are doing that meeting essentially live as a podcast mm-hmm. so so you know wipe the wipe the sleep out of your eyes it's a new year and it's time for the upgrades.
0: we'll begin as we always do jason with the best overall ios app this year now i want to throw in uh, a vote for an application that has seen brand new versions this year which is why yes. i'm, I'm going to throw it in um and that is carrot weather uh, i would say that the carrot weather watch app is the very best watch app that i use and carrot weather itself has seen significant um, enhancements over the last 12 months and it has gone from being i think a weather app that had a fun personality as the reason that you would buy it to just an excellent weather app that also yep. has this personality if you want it and, and i think that the the, the team over at Carrot have really put an incredible amount of work into making Carrot Weather, in my opinion, one of the best-looking, most customizable weather apps around. And I continue to find new and incredible things that it can do. Um, and it, for me, it's, it's easily my, my favorite iOS app of the year because every single time I see an update in my uh, app store, I'm treated to just fantastic new features.
1: They have done a great job. In fact, I've got to admit, Mike, you turned me on to this app and I almost put it on my list of possible choices for best because, uh, and I, I just, I left it off. I don't know. I don't even know why I left it off, but, um, maybe it's because we don't have weather in California and therefore it's less relevant to me. But I, I second everything you're saying. Um, I like the fact that it's a great weather app. And the personality is also present and you can control it. You can actually, there's a slider. If people haven't tried this app, it can be super snarky and make jokes. Um, but there's a slider like with like six different levels all the way from super evil and snarky to kind of snarky but not evil all the way over to just tell me the weather and don't, nothing else. And they actually added a politics Feature. sub feature mm-hmm. that lets you choose whether you want some of the jokes to be political and you can choose what side of the political spectrum you want the robot. To be on, it's wacky. Um, personally, I turn all of that off because yeah. I don't want the jokes. I just want the weather. Um, but it's amazing that it's there. But it's a great weather app. Without that, it's got a in-app purchase that I I used That is, it solved my problem of how do I get my weather station in my backyard into my under my Apple Watch. Um, it, it put it on my phone and on my Apple Watch because you can pick a weather underground station and say this is the one I want to use here. And uh, that's that was a new feature that was really good. And the Apple Watch app is excellent. They did a great job with the Apple Watch app. It is a very good Apple Watch app. It is the I I that's the one I use now. I've got that complication on my watch face. Uh it's a good app. Really good. What's your nomination? I have I have two that I have been thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, one is really boring, which is Overcast, which we yep. talked about and, and is in perilously in Hall of Fame territory here.
0: It is uh, Overcast was the 2014 winner of best ios app
1: so the reason it's boring is because we've talked about it a bunch and a lot of our listeners use it as a podcast app yeah to listen to this podcast but i will say this there is no single thing i do on my phone more than listen to podcasts on overcast like it is the number one thing i do on my phone because i work at home I, you know, I do my Twitter reading and things like that, mostly on my iPad, but on my phone, it's just like my phone, my my iPhone is a really great overcast and occasionally other things device. And so it's super important to how I use iOS. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to con- give that careful consideration. And then the other app I want to mention is Scrivener, which we've talked about before in the context of both Mac OS and iOS Scrivener, um, with its revamped iOS version and then the Mac version updated this year and they, they're kind of, they sync together and they've got kind of new features that go hand in hand. Um, unfortunately I didn't do a lot of novel work editing my novel this year, much less than I had hoped. But as somebody who tries to use an iPad a lot more when I'm mobile, Scrivener is, uh, is incredibly powerful and I love it. Um, on iOS and then it syncs back to my Mac as well. Um, I, I wanted to mention writing apps. And the, the fact is the two writing apps I use the most on iOS, neither of them are good enough, which is why there are two. <laughs> um, editorial has a lot going for it in terms of customizability, um, but it also hasn't been updated in a long time mm-hmm. and doesn't support a lot of iOS 11 features. And one writer is updated much more constantly but is not as customizable. So I go back and forth with those, and I think that's a sign maybe that if I can't, if neither of them are good enough for me, then neither of them should be in this category. Um, what did the upgradians say? So the upgradians,
0: uh, they voted, I'm going to go from uh, the smallest to the largest. So we only took the top three, because there were lots of votes, lots of varying percentages, as you can imagine. Uh, but one password came in at 10% of the upgradian vote, TweetBot came in at 16% of the Upgradient vote, but with a huge 30% was Overcast. Mm -hmm. So the Upgradians agree with you. And so we now begin our deliberation portion. So we both (laughs) love Carrot Weather, right? And consider it one of the best apps this year. But I cannot deny that Overcast is one of my favorite iOS apps. and. Marco, is, is what he's added some features this year that I like. I really love the drag and drop, and I absolutely adore oh, yeah. the dark theme, the real, like, the black theme, the black theme. on uh, on the iPhone X. Can
1: I stop you for a minute about, about drag and drop? Because people, I think, don't realize that the drag and drop behavior changed in iOS 11. And if you use the native drag and drop behavior, some amazing things that were not possible before are now possible. So if you're an Overcast user, especially, and you're used to reordering episodes in a playlist, which I do all the time, I have two tips that I'm going to give out here before we decide, because I think this is a good time to do it since you mentioned drag and drop. Um, First off is I often will add uh, an episode to a playlist and it shows up at the bottom and I actually want it up toward the top. In iOS 11, when you tap and hold and the thing kind of like pops up, like now it's draggable, um, you can take another finger. And swipe down and scroll really fast. You don't have to slowly drag the one episode up to the top of the screen. Or you can do to tap the status bar and it will go straight up for you. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it, you can you can move around. You can do all that stuff. You can you, so you can tap tap to go all the way up to the top. You can scroll around and then you let go and it drops where you want it to go. Um, you can also you can also touch another item and pick it up and slide multiple items at once. This wasn't something you could do before but in ios 11 all that stuff is in play and i think we forget about it and i use that stuff in overcast all the time now so that's a it's a really nice like by just by um supporting ios 11 you pick up a lot of these nice features that that were not there before and i know from listening to atp uh upgradey hall of famer and uh and uh under the radar that you know marco had to struggle with like you know you build your whole system yourself and then there's a there's an OS thing that does it <laughs> you're like all right I guess I'm gonna rip that out and replace it but the benefit was is pretty great yeah
0: I would say that um, I really like the drag and drop in in Overcast because it's useful for me but I think that there could be more done with it um, I think that Marco has some still has some work to do. Uh, with yeah, like tactics and stuff like that to to really kind of push it to the to the next stage, and I know that he knows that, right? But that that will be my criticism.
1: That release this fall was very much a um, I need to be out for iOS eleven, but there's yep. more to there's more to do. But rather than wait and rethink it and then release it, it's sort of like do the, these basic things and then also in the background be thinking about it. But I'll tell you, Mike. Um, I find picking a, an app that we already picked kind of boring and I am in with you on how good Carrot Weather is and how much I, I mean I know this is not the newcomer category and it's not it's not a newcomer but it had a really good new version really great watchOS support a whole bunch of other stuff in it it is a very impressive app that keeps getting better so I'm I'm going to throw my support over to Carrot Weather. Let's
0: do it. Carrot Weather that is the iOS app of the year and I agree with you we're we're the the the, the overall theme of the 2017 upgrade is is new that's what we're going for this is why we've we've wanted to you know but that's why we, we decided we wanted to get more input from the upgradians because we were concerned about just picking the same stuff over and over again so uh carrot weather will take the overall ios app um with our runners up being overcast and scrivener uh for this year so now we move into the best newcomer iOS app. So this is the best new app released within 2017.
1: I'm I'm gonna go for something here. Which I is, put it on my list too. I so, see what you're gonna talk about, and and the Upgradians did too. I had yep. this moment when we were preparing newcomer iOS app, where I'm like, oh, you know what it should be? This is gonna be outside the box. This this app it's totally uh, like lateral thinking for me to pick this app. And then I looked at our document and it was like, oh yeah, the 10% of the upgrade and suggested it. And uh, Mike's suggesting it too. I'm like, okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs>
0: it's the files app. It's Apple's files. Files. files app. Now I need to say files is full of bugs and it yep. is it is a an app which causes me frustration, but it has also made working on iOS a billion times better. Um, the, the way that I'm able to use applications that use the file picker to, to edit in place PDFs. The fact that I'm able to just drag and drop stuff from my mail app into files or vice versa. The fact that I can throw something into iCloud Drive just as like a kind of a holding bin, and then when it's all taken care of, drag it into Dropbox all within one application. Like... What it does, the base functionality that it has is fantastic. And when it's working perfectly is just unbelievable. But even when it's being frustrating to me, I still can't get too mad at it because I appreciate so much of what it's doing for me on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, it's not... I mean, the way I was thinking of it when I was phrasing it was, it's not the app itself as much as it is what it represents. And it represents this... uh, It's great functionality... It represents Apple finally acknowledging that files as a concept needs to be part of iOS. It doesn't need to be front and center, right? The argument was always like, iOS doesn't need a finder. And I agree with that. Like iOS doesn't need a finder. In fact, you could argue the Mac is so file-centric because it was built in 1984 and has been updated since then a lot. But still, it's sort of like, it makes it the Mac to think about files that way and put it at the front and the center. And I think of Apple, Apple has tried with things like uh, like uh, the launch, I, the thing I never use, Launchpad. Um, it's tried very hard to like, uh, come up with ways of like, no, 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 just it's like iOS. Just think about apps and don't worry about it. But the fact is the Mac is just a document centric experience. iOS isn't, and I'm okay with that, but it doesn't change the fact that sometimes just like on the Mac, sometimes you launch an app, sometimes you open a file and both of those ways of working are relevant in certain areas. And with files, Apple is like, all right, we're not going to try to pretend that you don't need files. If you need files, Here it is. You've got it. And if you don't want to launch the files app, you will never see the files. Um, So yes, it's a little bit more about what it means and what it means as a statement about iOS productivity, which is very important to you and me. Um, It is is like the last wall crumbling to say, yes, iOS is a legitimate platform to get things done. And sometimes what you need to do to get things done is edit a file.
0: (laughs) So what is your pick?
1: Uh, So I have files on the list. The other -hmm. other one I wanted to mention is Affinity Photo, which was new on iOS this year. Affinity Photo is basically what Photoshop should be on iOS. And I'm just, I'll refer people to my previous rant, and I wrote about it at Six Colors, about Adobe completely botching their iOS strategy by deciding that iOS was a toy OS for phones and that Photoshop didn't need to come to iOS as anything except a bunch of little tiny, uh, like, broken up, chunks of photoshop rather than just doing a good touch photoshop on iOS and uh and I had some pushback on that from people who said well you know a, a photoshop on iOS is not something you'd actually want to see or that they could even do which is totally wrong because you know it's got the power of a laptop it could do it affinity photo really puts the lie to that statement though because it's photoshop it's it's a third party app uh, doing, trying to be Photoshop on iOS with layers and you know multi-layer support, all of the features that you would expect from something like Photoshop um, on iOS, and it, Apple used it in all its demos for iOS 11 at WWDC. It is a very impressive app. It's buggy. It's got issues. Um, it, you know there are other photo editing apps on iOS that are excellent, including Pixelmator, mm-hmm. but. Um, but, uh, what I like about affinity photo is it's new and out of the blue, as it was arriving, Apple said, yes, we want to use this to show off what an iPad can be. Um, and also as a statement, like, why is Photoshop not here? Because again, here, here it is. And if affinity photo can do it, Photoshop could do it too. So, um, very impressive bit of engineering in affinity photo.
0: You know, I've never used this app. Like, I see people talking very highly of it, but I very rarely edit images. You know, with any yeah real requirement, like you know, very like hard quality or whatever. Like, it's not really something that I'm that I do very much. So I've never played around with it, but I've I've seen many many people speak very very highly of it. So you know, it it is yeah. Great. I'm
1: still using Photoshop on my Mac, but it's one of those things that if I was somewhere and needed to do something and I, I did not have a Mac and I needed to do something photoshopy, this is what I would turn to. For sure. So the Upgradians votes at
0: 9% things three, Mm -hmm. and 10% is Apple's files app, and at twenty seven percent is an app called Apollo, which is a Reddit client. Um, I've never used Apollo with any. I mean, I've downloaded it, I played around with it, but I uh, really love Narwhal um, for for my Reddit consumption. It's very very simple, very very good looking app that I enjoy. And you know, I, I basically I, the reason that stopped me from using it is I set up Apollo on my iPhone and then opened my iPad and realized that I had to put all of the same settings in, and then kind of just. Didn't
1: do that. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, because it's not syncing settings across devices.
0: Settings. So I was like, "No, I'm okay." Because a lot of these apps, especially at Reddit clients, I like to customize them quite heavily just to see what I want to see and the way that I want to see it. Um, and even just like the swiping gestures and stuff, it was like, "Okay, I have to s- set these twice." Like I just wasn't willing to try it. But but I I know many many people that absolutely love this app, and you know, with 27 oh, percent of the overall vote, it's it's clearly very popular. Um so we come to that time again where we decide the winner. Uh I mean it's files files, right? It's got to be. I mean <laughs> yep. this isn't just me and you. 10% of the upgradians agree, so All right, we're going into best overall Mac app. Now, this is one of the the categories that I struggled with Jason because honestly, I feel like I would just be picking the exact same things that I picked last year. Me so too. In in this instance, I decided that I would throw up my hands uh this year. And just see uh, where you and the the Upgradians took me.
1: So the apps that I always think of here are One uh, Password, which which you know also came up for best overall iOS app. I, I do use that and rely on it. Um, I thought about uh, Twitterific. You know the apps that I use on the Mac the most for professional work. You know BB Edit, which we've covered before. Audio Hijack, which we've covered before. Logic, which we've covered before. There's so many of these isotope, which is you know I don't really want to pick an obscure um, uh, high-end audio plugin. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, so I finally made a pick, and it's partially to be controversial, but partially because I think it's really good, and I think that the circumstances of its release have um, obscured it a little bit. Which is Final Cut Pro 10. Mm-hmm. Final Cut Pro 10 keeps getting updated. Logic and Final Cut Pro. For people who complain about uh, like Apple not updating Pro hardware, let me tell you, they those Pro apps get updated. Those Pro mm-hmm. apps have active teams who are updating them all the time. They just got updated again for the new iMac Pro. Um, I love Final Cut Pro 10. I use it to do all of my video stuff, including all the the Total Party Kill videos, which are, yes, it's a DD and d podcast, but it's like, I've got a source video of the people. I've got a source video that's a capture. I've got an edited audio clip. I have to sync them all together. I have to move the pieces around on the screen as people are moving around. I've done it for videos, uh, live action videos that I've done as well. Um, it is, as somebody who is not a professional video editor, I, I can get really good output from Final Cut Pro 10. I understand how it works. The learning curve was not so bad. The learning curve was not nearly as bad as logic, let me tell you, for, for audio. The learning curve for video. And, and like anything I can think of doing in Final Cut Pro 10, I can do it. Like that's the amazing thing is, yep. you know, I took a I took for one of these Total Party Kill videos, I had a, uh, the video was essentially um, a bunch of people's video feeds in squares. And I just, you know, I made duplicates and chopped them up into little pieces and moved them around on the screen and created a frame around them and moved all this stuff. And it's like, I, I just thought to myself, oh, can I just duplicate this and change the crop and move it around on the screen? And the answer is, yep, you can totally do that. It's got, you know, you can do set keyframes and fade things in and fade things out and slide things around on screen. There's so many things you can do that are not, that they're learnable, they're understandable. Um, yes. and. And this is, these are all the reasons that I think a lot of pro video editors hated Final Cut Pro 10 when it came out because it was not what they were familiar with. And I get it. I, I totally get why that's a thing. Um, and I'm not saying this is a great app for people who have been using nonlinear editors for, for years, although my understanding is it's gotten a lot better. But for somebody like me who wants to produce good output, something that iMovie is not going to let me do, um, produce good output in a way that's understandable. And I don't have any of that baggage of, I mean, I used to use the old version of final cut and I found it kind of impenetrable, um, sort of like logic still is. (laughs) And, um, it, uh, it's not that it's, I, I think it's really good. And again, I'm not a high end pro user and I can't endorse it for that. But as somebody who is sort of in the middle here where I can't use iMovie, but I want to make videos and I want to do things with them that are not just cut, 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 dissolve, cut, it is incredibly powerful, and I like that it gets updated all the time. So that's my pitch for Final Cut Pro X. I agree
0: with you completely. So when you said about um, if you feel like you can do it, you can just do it, that's the 100% the way that I feel um, about Final Cut Pro X. It was a runner-up last year, and it was me giving, extolling its virtues last year because I'd just gotten into starting to make YouTube videos and using Final Cut. Um, I honestly I wished that Apple would take Logic and Final Cut Pro ten, but I think we're (laughs) past that at this point because Logic Pro ten exists. You know, they changed the UI. They did make it easier to understand, but they didn't burn it down and start over again, um, like they did with Final Cut. But I understand why Final Cut is more is a more important app because it's probably more widely used. So I mean, I I plus one for Final Cut Pro ten, but let's let's go over to the upgradians, uh, and see where they land. Um, Safari at seven percent, OmniFocus at nine percent, and One Password at sixteen percent. So, as you can tell from those uh, those lower numbers than previous, this was all over the map. Um, there were lots and lots and lots of varying submissions for this category, and you know th- th- those picks. I mean, it's hard to argue with them. I guess. I mean, One Password is fantastic. Uh, you know, can't really argue too much of One Password. It was a runner up in twenty fifteen. For best right. Mac app, um, but you know, I would say for me, Final Cut Pro 10. Like, let's do it. I wanted to do it last year, and I think that it is an application that is worth it, and that's what we're going to go with. So, Final Cut Pro 10 will take will take the crown uh, for best overall Mac app. Um, upgradians, I promise you're going to get one at some point. Uh, we come into the best newcomer <laughs> Mac app to round out our applications section portion of the upgradies for 2017. And uh, Jason, do you want to go
1: first? Uh, sure. I will go first and say, um, I think that there's a... a it's, it's rare that there's essentially a new Mac app. Um, but Twitterific for Mac was new this year. Icon Factory did a Kickstarter. They took... Uh, the old Twitterific for Mac, John Syracuse was still using it, but even diehards like me stopped using it because it it was you know truncating tweets and you could, it was not good uh, just because it was hadn't been updated and Twitter had changed a lot and they brought it back. They took pieces from their iOS version to make a common code ge- code base and wrote a bunch of new stuff and i was concerned i supported the kickstarter i wanted it to be good i wanted it to be usable throughout the beta process i was sort of like using it sporadically um after it came out final i um i switched over to it and i am using it 100% of the time or 99% of the time i'm logged into a couple of accounts on the twitter app that um That I'm not logged into on Twitterific yet, but then the official Twitter app on Mac doesn't support 280 characters yet. (laughs) So um, I will just, I'm using Twitterific on Mac 100% and I love it. And the fact that it's a new version of this app um, from scratch, basically, on. Uh, on the mac is a uh, it's it's good they 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 more than fulfilled my expectations of this when they said that they were going to crowdfund a new version i was concerned it would be you know kind of weak okay but you know not fantastic and that like would it would it continue would they continue developing it and all of that and it's just it's exceeded all my expectations it's very very good so I'd say the uh, the 1.0
0: release was I found a little bit underwhelming. Um, I, I think it was missing a lot of features, you know, even more than what was expecting to be missed. Um, and there were some features that were working, but like there wasn't any UI for them, like muffles, and the mutes, they just weren't on the Mac app. But the Icon Factory followed it up very quickly, and they've continued to improve the app throughout the year since its release, and they've even been innovating on Twitterific for the Mac, which I was very excited to see. They had their polls feature, which now is on iOS, but it debuted on the Mac, where they would try and detect if a tweet had a poll and then give you a link to throw you out to the official Twitter website so you could participate in the poll. So I was a little bit concerned when when version one came out, um, but it looks like that they have not stopped. And if anything, they are continuing to, to push forward um, and to advance the application. So I think that it's been really interesting to watch that kind of unfold over the last few months.
1: Yeah, I I agree. It's um if if this was I would be much more hesitant with the one release, but the fact that they keep updating it, as you said, and adding new features, um, that gives gives me a good feeling too. The, the yep. that it's being worked on and improved and keeps going past um, where it was when it started. That is, uh, yeah, they they've done a good job.
0: So, my vote will be cast for the runner up of best newcomer Mac app last year because last year it was in um, an alpha and uh, we spoke about it, but we couldn't, we decided that we couldn't award uh, Forecast. Great. The, the Upgrady. Forecast is an app uh, from Marco Arment and it is an app that I've been using for I think nearly two years now. Um, it is a podcast production tool, it is a post production tool. It enables me to encode my files to MP3 incredibly quickly, to bake in all the metadata, and add chapters. So if you enjoy the chapters in Upgrade, it is because of Forecast. There, in my opinion, were no good tools, and it was one of the reasons that I was kept away from adding chapters to our shows, because the tools were not very good, and... Marco has created a tool which is local to the Mac. I mean, some of them are web tools, which I wasn't interested in. Some of them you had to type in the time codes by hand. Again, not interested. But this enables me to add like markers in logic, so I can just add the points whilst I'm in my editing app, which doesn't take very long at all. And then it just observes those and turns them into chapters and, and bounces them out to the MP3, which is encoded incredibly quickly. Um, we spoke about Forecast a few weeks ago when it when it debuted. And uh, that that's where my vote is cast. Now, my thinking about Forecast was like, oh, it's going to be a, a niche app, right? We believed that it would be a niche app. But as we have previously discussed, I mean, as we debuted the podcast tips segment as a recurring segment on Upgrade, our belief was that there are a lot of people in our audience that make podcasts themselves. So the Upgradians voting for Best Newcomer Mac app is as follows. Pixelmator Pro with 7% forecast with 9% and twitterific with 12%. so interesting we sit here at this moment now this is this is what i think about this right forecast is still a niche app like overall it is and i think that it is a great app and it's something that i love but like for the world at large maybe twitterific is a better pick so I mean I would be happy to give Twitterific this 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 this, this vote um because it's yours it's the upgradians um, what do you think
1: That's right upgradians you heard Mike right we're picking your choice Twitterific yes. 12% upgradian uh plurality majority I don't know the most votes from upgradians and plus me Yeah so let's I think- do it I- I, I love Forecast. I feel like we we also kind of, uh, I mean, we, we talked about it so much last year and then it finally came out, which is great, but it is still, like you said, uh, pretty pretty niche. I'm glad it's out there. It's great, um, you know, because of what it does in terms of its interface. It's, you know, it's as generic as they come and Marco admits that because that's not the point. Um, it's very good and people should try it and it's free if you're doing a yep. podcast. But, but Twitterific is a very good and getting better all the time uh, Mac Twitter client.
0: So uh, Overcast becomes a runner-up for the second year uh, in a row in Best New Color Mac App, which is probably... A forecast. Forecast, Forecast. I should say, um, which is probably the first and only time that will happen. I can't imagine that very. it will, will have an app that hits that twice uh, Newcomer, twice. Yeah. It so seems unlikely. It's an interesting thing to do. All right, so we have completed the apps segment of the fourth annual Upgradees. So let me take a break and thank our first sponsor of this week's very special episode of Upgrade. Today, I want to thank Linode for their support. You know about Linode. They are the best. If you want to get a virtual server up and running, Linode is the place. They have fast and powerful hosting options that you can get set up in just seconds. Their tools are super easy to understand, and they give you all of the power that you need. Linode plans start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Linode offer hourly billing of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services. They have 24/7 friendly amazing support. You can email them, call them or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. If you need help, Linode are going to be there for you. Linode's control panel is super beautifully designed. It's focused on ease and simplicity. It allows you to deploy, boot, resize, and clone in just a few clicks. With Linode, you get native SSD storage, access to a 40 gigabyte network with Intel E5 processors across the board. This is super powerful stuff. They're virtual machines for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, everything. No matter what you want to do, Linode has the ability to get that power in your hands. They feature two-factor authentication to keep you safe and you can create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication as well they have a seven day money back guarantee so there's absolutely nothing to lose and they have fantastic pricing starting at five dollars a month for a gigabyte of ram going all the way up to 16 gigabytes of ram for 60 dollars a month as a listener of this show, if you go sign up at Linode.com and use the promo code UPGRADE2018, that is UPGRADE2018, you'll be supporting us and also getting $20 towards any Linode plan. Now, $20 of credit is worth four free months. On the one gigabyte plan, so you have nothing to lose. They've got a seven-day money-back guarantee, and that is twenty-dollar credit for you. Just go to linode.com, learn more, sign up, and please use the promo code upgrade two zero one eight upgrade twenty eighteen at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show. So this now brings us on to uh, some of our some of our beginnings of our media picks, and first we'll start with games. So let's talk about our game of the year. I everywhere i've been in these types of discussions there is only one option for me Um, and it is legend of zelda breath of the wild for the nintendo switch and also the nintendo wii u jason the legend of zelda breath of the wild is not just my game of the year um i think it might be my favorite game of all time wow nintendo surprised everybody with the the quality of this game. It was delayed a little bit, um, and then we clearly was delayed so it could be the launch title of the Switch. And nothing, no, no game has ever sold a console to me the way that Zelda did. Because there was this game with what felt like an infinitely large world, which you could pick up and just take with you. I've never had a video game delight me in the way that Zelda has. There are so many moments and everybody that plays this game has had these moments where you're doing something and something happens and you're like, oh my gosh. And you kind of feel like, surely I'm the only person in the world that this has happened to. <laughs> this is not a normal thing in video games, like where things happen and you cannot believe that they have happened. Like I've seen so many videos of like people that are able to trick two huge beasts into fighting each other like stuff like this which is like this this doesn't exist in a video game. The story is 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 light. It's maybe my criticism of the game is that the story is pretty light, but I can see why it happened that way because what Nintendo decided to do was say to you, well here is Hyrule, just go. You know, it is very possible to the first thing you ever do in this game is to run right into the boss's castle at the very, you can just go. You can do anything in any order. And I've, I've never, I have never think I've ever played a video game where I've wanted to explore in the way that I have with Zelda. And I'm continuing to do so. Um, this is not a game that I have decided to put down. It's not like... I absolutely loved Super Mario Odyssey. But when I was done with the main story of Odyssey, I kind of felt done with the game. Even though there was more to see, for some reason it wasn't drawing me in in the way that Zelda did. You know, I spent tens of hours just climbing mountains... And going around and seeing like, what is this over here? What is this over here? And, you know, you could see pretty much every game of the year list from all of the major games publications, Legend of Zelda sat at the top of that list. And the honestly the the reasons are endless.
1: Yeah, I um I have not played it, but I have watched probably I've spent many hours watching my son play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he loves it. And, and the two, um, DLC packs that have come out have both been, I think, uh, so, um, the second, uh, DLC for Breath of the Wild just came out like a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. And, um, he heard from a friend that it was coming out and it was like an hour before his bedtime. And he turned on our, we actually have it on the Wii U. He turned on the Wii U and he sat there hitting the update button. And after like 20 minutes, he was like, I don't think it's coming. I said, yeah, it might be midnight or something. They might have just said it's coming out. Like, yeah, okay. So the next morning he got up like at at 645 in the morning. I (laughs) I, I get up at seven to go get the tea. And uh, he's sitting in the living room with the Nintendo, uh, the the Wii U console. um, And has already checked for the DLC and downloaded it and is playing it. And is going to play it every minute until he has to get ready to go to school i think that says something cuz he that kid loves video games he loves them and that's the one that like it is yes i so i have witnessed it from afar i've witnessed the power of breath of the wild but what is your pick so my pick is um i i am picking a game that is on i think it's on xbox playstation and and pc but not on the mac but it is um uh, what Remains of Edith Finch, which we did an episode of The Incomparable about. It is, as John Syracuse would say, a uh, an artsy-fartsy game. Uh, really well-written. Quirky. A little Adams Family-ish in some ways. It's one of these games where you're walking around. It is, actually, um, uh, my wife asked me about, I was talking about games that I liked, and she said, oh, is that the one with the uh, the girl in the Pacific Northwest? And I said... Yes, it is the one with the girl in the Pacific Northwest, not the one with the girl in the Pacific Northwest or the Girl in the Pacific Northwest, because there's three games I've played that all could be described by that, <laughs> uh, one of which is What Remains of Edith Finch, and she's going around in a weird Winchester mystery house-like uh, uh, house that is her family home, and uh, she hasn't been there in a while, and she's uncovering uh, family secrets, and it takes the story takes a bunch of left turns and is really delightful and very well done. And um, of all the games that came out this year that I played, and there weren't that many of them, that was the one that I liked the best. So I wanted to I wanted to put a plug in for uh, what remains of be Finch.
0: Again, I've heard only good things about it. I haven't played it myself, but it is a game that I've seen get a lot of uh, applause this year. So the Upgradians votes at six percent is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is a tour de force of a game, um, has broken incredible records before it even came out in 1.0. Um, probably, actually very, very, very probably the most popular video game in the world right now. Um, Super Mario Odyssey is in at 18%, and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at 41%. <laughs> uh, these, these these three make up basically the top three of every single game of the year list um, that has existed this year, just in varying orders. Uh, I would say, you know, I think that it is the the, the upgrade. The upgradee's choice is very clear, and it's the legend. Very of Zelda. clear. I agree. Um, it is. I I could sit here and talk about this game forever. Um, so yeah, it's just a just a wonderful, wonderful
1: video game. iOS game of the year, Jason. What do you got? I have. Uh, I have three. So so first off, um, I wanted to the one that I was going to talk about. Uh, until uh, December happened, <laughs> was Jackbox Party Pack 4. So Jackbox Games makes these collections of party games. Jackbox Games is the originator of You Don't Know Jack, which started as a CD-ROM trivia game show in the 90s. And they're still around and they're still making games. And in fact, a lot of the people who work there are involved with one of my favorite podcasts, Hello from the Magic Tavern. Um, and in the they're in the Chicago um, Improv Podcast, scene and podcast scene um jackbox party pack four like its three predecessors is a series of games like i think they're five five four and a half five um they're party games you can play them in a room uh where uh, or you can play them over like uh, google hangout or other video chat as long as somebody is sharing their screen and i've done that numerous times with people the um incomparable people um The way it works is the game play happens on a device, and it can be an iPad or an Apple TV or a console, and everybody brings their own device as their controller, so their phone or their iPad, and you log into the Jackbox servers, and then you play along as you sketch funny things or suggest lies to try and fool other players or... Uh, be a monster dating other monsters on a monster dating app is one of the games monster seeking monster or a uh, weird public art that you draw a strange drawing a piece at a time. And you all vote to see what item is accepted and then, and then people have to draw the next part of that item. It's a whole bunch of fun party games. The people who put it together have a great, they're trying to do new stuff, but also have a great sense of what works in a party situation like that. Um, For streaming, um, they, for Twitch or or we use just Google Hangouts, but either way, if you've got streaming to an audience, there's a whole set of audience features. So we played a game with the incomparable of, um, of, uh, on Party Pack 3 that involves um, basically trying to guess what a a survey of people said about a particular topic, like how many people like to drink soda warm or something like that. And the game is you have to pick the percentage and then the other person picks higher or lower and and all of that. Um, If you have enough people, though, um, the audience is the survey instead of the general public survey that they're using. Oh,
0: wow. That's amazing.
1: And so all of a sudden, it flipped over to what do incomparable listeners on this live stream think of this topic, which was just like, oh, my God, that totally changes the game. They're great games. Party Pack 4 is brand new. It launched within a couple of weeks. It was on every platform, including Apple TV. It's great on Apple TV. It's on the iPad. Um, So I like that one a lot. And that is a new game that came out this year, and those those games are really great. And if you haven't tried them, and you have a either a, a streaming, you know, you put it on your Mac and and stream it using Skype or something uh, to to your friends, or uh, or if you've got a party and you've got people gathering around the TV, um, it is I, I highly recommend it. So I mentioned December though. In December, two of the games that I played in the last year, you know, year and a couple of months that I have liked the most were both released on iOS. And this puts a wrinkle (laughs) in my selection because these are not new games, but they are new on iOS, just out on iOS. So I'm going to mention them briefly inside is from the makers of limbo. It is a game in which you are running from left to right, but Oh my God, there's so much more than that going on in terms of the story, the experience, the sound, the look, so many story so many twists and turns that the story takes you think you're watching one thing you're not watching that thing you're not watching that other thing you thought it was it just keeps going it is amazing it is such a great experience it's probably the best game experience i've had in the last year and a half or so and it, so it's out now on iOS and life is strange which came out in 2015 which is yes another one of those games that's about a girl in the pacific northwest um it is really good i i I love it and that just came out for ios and that's a you know you you have the ability to wind time back backward and make different decisions and the decisions you make affect what happens in the story and you're trying to navigate personal personal relationships and also stop people from getting killed by supernatural events with time travel um really great game the voice acting on that is 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 really solid as well um and so, I don't know, Mike, that that it was an unexpected bounty to have two of my favorite games that I played recently drop on iOS in December, just in time for the holidays, um, which is, I assume, why they did it. Um, and I, I highly recommend them. So those are, the, those are the three that I have rolling around in my head for iOS game of the year. Uh,
0: my iOS game of the year is Flip-Flop Solitaire. Um, Flip-Flop Solitaire is the perfect iPhone game. Uh, it is very quick to play. You play like rounds of Solitaire, uh, but, but as is usual with Zach Gage's games, um, also the maker of uh, really bad chess, oh yeah, flips it on its head a little bit. So in this solitaire game, you can stack cards both ways, high and low. So it enables a completely different way of playing because you don't have. You, there's like a completely different strategy at hand, and, and I found it's way easier to complete a game because you can kind of build things where you might not be able to build things until you can end up eventually being able to stack the cards into the order that they should be to finish. Um, I really love it. It's made so well. It takes advantage of all the iPhone features that you would want. You know, It looks great on the iPhone X. It has tons of great haptic stuff, so it feels like the cards are like flicking around on the screen. Um, it is a great game. It's joined my kind of iOS Hall of Fame along with games like threes and stuff like that. as games that wow. like will always remain installed because they're so so easy to just pick up and play and they don't they have instant replayability because of their simplicity, you know. There is no there is no like I've completed this game so I'll stop, right? Because <laughs> there's there's no completion in solitaire, you just keep playing more rounds. Right. Our gradients at 9% Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, at 10% Flip Flop Solitaire, and at 21% Monument Valley 2. Monument Valley two, do you know I never finished it? I kind of felt like I'd played it. Um, yep. I love Monument Valley, love it, but the second one, it, it, I'd already played a bunch of Monument Valley. It, it didn't draw me in in the same way. Um, so I, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling that one. I mean, of I course, Flip Flop Solitaire is, is also hit the Upgradians voting, but I didn't mention uh, that Jackbox Party Pack. I adore Jackbox. Um, I have never played it on iOS. I play it on the Nintendo Switch doesn't matter right. where you play it. I play it on the Apple nope. TV too, but it's the same game on all these platforms. Um, you know, like the, the the greatness of the Jackbox is the, the fact that you don't need controllers. You know, everybody plays it on their own smartphone devices or their own computers or whatever. Yep. And it just makes it way easier to be able to play the game with an infinitely sizing group. Um, so it's fantastic. So
1: where do you want to go, Jason? Where are you feeling? I don't know. I mean, I haven't tried flip-flop solitaire, but I really uh, like Zach Gage's games. Um, I'm a big fan of really bad chess, which is such a brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really have had this year. I have really enjoyed the Jackbox party pack series in general. They're all available on iOS. Of course they are on other platforms too. Um, The advantage of flip-flop solitaire is it's an iOS game and the others are multi-platform games that I've mentioned. Um, I don't know, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I'm happy to give Jackbox an award because I love those games. I could not love them more. And I'm so happy that there was a new set of them. Um, although I recommend all of them. They're all great. Um, but I'm also happy to go with uh, with Solitaire if, uh, if you think that's a better way to go. Let's go with Jackbox. All right. I have nothing but good
0: things to say about Jackbox. So Jackbox Party Pack 4 is the winner of the iOS game of the year. Um, as is typical... Uh, in the Upgradies, there is always one weird game award given. Uh, like it, the, yep. our game awards are never that consistent. Um, nope. And I figured this year, <laughs> I really wanted to just make sure I got Breath of the Wild in there, which I did. Uh huh. So I'm all good on that one. So the Jackbox Party Pack Four, uh, will be our iOS cross-platform game of the year. Uh, yes. For this year. It runs on iOS. That's all it that sure. matters. All right. We move on to favorite movie. Um, for me. I think my the my I think the the most fun that I have had in a in the cinema this year, and I've not seen that many movies. This is typical for me. Um, yep. I think would have to be Baby Driver. I am such a huge fan of Edgar Wright, um, and this movie. As soon as I saw it, and I saw the incredible cast attached to it, uh, I was very very excited about it. When I saw it, it was so heavily focused on music. Um, it, you know, made me really, really excited um, and I, I couldn't wait to see the movie and I was not disappointed. You know, it, it is very rare that uh, a movie will make me sweat in just sitting in the seat. Um, <laughs> but there is like the the, the the main climactic sequence of this movie uh, really can kind of just, just push you, right? Like it, it really will get you um and i i absolutely loved it for that i mean i will say since without getting into all too many details it's, it's kind of been ruined a little bit uh by one of the cast members and the choices that they decided to make in their life which are terrible but mm. i do love baby driver and i can't fault the entire movie based on that personally um so i'm going to say that it was
1: my favorite movie of the year because it was Alright. So, um I went back and forth on this. My initial thought was to mention Wonder Woman, which I liked a lot and have seen since on four K on my Apple TV. And it's <laughs> like it's that's a good movie. Um but you know what? I'm gonna pick Spider Man Homecoming because I think it's the first good Spider Man movie in a long time. Um I've got things I can you know, I can defend parts of some Spider Man movies, but basically Um, since Spider-Man 2, way back when. Um, And it's a modern telling of Spider-Man, integrates him into the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, I like the performance uh, of Peter Parker. I like the supporting cast uh, in his high school. I think the villain is one of the best, if not the best Marvel villains ever, which is Michael Keaton as the vulture. Mm -hmm. He's motivated. You understand why he does what he does. Like it's, I really, there is a twist in this movie that I totally didn't see coming. That that I love it when that happens. Yep. Um, and and it's entirely set up, but it's did not see it coming. Um, and just I, I'm a fan of, um. Brian Michael Bendis's uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, which since 2000 is, you know, that was a comic about, let's go back to basics with Peter Parker and tell a modern story about a kid in a high school who gets Spider-Man powers, which was originally what Spider-Man was about. And then they, in the comics, they took him out of high school. He graduated, he became an adult, all of these things. It was like, let's go back to basics. And this is what this movie does. And I love it because that's that's what I like about Spider-Man is he's a kid trying to struggle with, you know his his personal issues and also being a superhero and how they collide so that his superhero stuff ruins his personal life basically um so yeah i would say uh spider-man homecoming in, by a nose over uh over wonder woman but i like them both
0: so our upgradians uh voted at 13% for baby driver 14% for wonder woman and 16% for blade runner 2049 um, I will mention at this point, the voting closed before Star Wars: The Last Jedi came out. Right. Probably would have changed the voting. Probably. Um, again, we've spoken about this. I really liked that movie. I wouldn't say it was my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I, I personally enjoyed Baby Driver more, even though I really enjoyed Star Wars.
1: Um, and I'm too close. I'm too close to it now. Um, yeah, to judge it maybe ask me yeah. you know unfortunately ask me again in in a couple of months is not going to do it for star wars I, I feel for all the movie critics and tv critics i was just talking a couple of weeks ago to tim tim goodman about this because we do the tv talk machine podcast together and um he was talking about how like black mirror <laughs> dropped its new season on uh it's dropping uh let's see so so it it dropped right before new year's but for Tim Tim got it like two weeks before as an advance copy or something for a screener. But still, it's like you're you're a TV critic and you're putting together your best of the year list. And something comes out in the middle of December. It's like, come on, why are you doing this? Well, that's how I feel about, about The Last Jedi right now. A lot of things I liked about it. Do I like it better than Spider-Man or Wonder Woman? It's very different. Maybe. I can't tell. So I'm going to let it. I'm just going to let it. Let it go. I'm also, because I
0: my brain didn't explode in the way that it did um, for Force Awakens. Right. I'm cool with it because I don't want Star Wars to win this category every year. Every
1: year, yeah, sure.
0: Because otherwise, it could. And so that's kind of how I feel about it. I wasn't down on that movie at all, uh, but I got a lot of what I expected with it. I got a lot of what I didn't expect with Baby Driver.
1: Yeah, I get it i don't know what we do i haven't seen blade runner 2049 so i don't even know
0: saw that movie loved that movie wasn't my favorite movie of the year loved it though really like way more for me personally than i than i enjoyed the original blade runner because it gave me way more of what i wanted um now personally loved spider-man so totally happy to go with spider-man
1: um yeah we could do that we could do that. I, 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 mean, I could also advocate for Wonder Woman, which I mentioned and the Upgradians mentioned. That's a good movie. It's I like haven't DC seen it. Comics. Okay, DC Comics made it. You know, it's a good DC Comics movie. It's they did finally did it. You did it, everybody. I mean, if you want to go with
0: Wonder Woman, we can go with Wonder Woman, right? Because I mean, I said I haven't seen it yet, but it's second, and you were thinking about it
1: we we both we both like spider-man let's let's go with uh let's go with spider-man i mean unless you want to override me with baby driver but i feel like uh no i don't you know i haven't seen that one either so yeah all right because i know favorite movie that we both saw favorite
0: movie that we both (laughs) saw goes to spider-man homecoming uh so that brings us to our favorite upgrade mike at the movies segment of the year um I went with Spider-Man Homecoming because I liked the movie a lot. That, that was, that was oh, no. um, I went with Spider-Man Homecoming because I really liked the movie. Um, and of all the movies that we have watched for the show this year, uh, it's the one that I enjoyed the most when talking about it. Right. Um, so that's kind of where my vote went with that.
1: And my vote went to the final cut of version of Blade Runner, where we brought John Syracuse onto to the show just to uh, have him uh, teach us the ways of Blade Runner yep. and that's partly why I voted for it. But I also voted for it because I, I really like this was the most I've enjoyed Blade Runner. I've seen it like four times in three different cut versions. Um, this is the first time that I've really gotten like I got it. Like I understood why it, uh, it is. It is so beloved. And even though I don't feel that kind of attachment to it, um, the final cut version of it, um, made me really appreciate what is great about it. Um, so I, I appreciate that and then of course John gets to explain to us why it is too and that was also fun. So a fun Mike in the Movies conversation experience and also a better watching the film experience than I've had with that film before. So that was my rationale.
0: Um, the Upgradians went 22% Spider-Man Homecoming, 25% for Terminator 2 and 29% for Blade Runner Final Cut. This was way closer than I had expected it would be. Um, I thought that the Final Cut Blade Runner would pull out way ahead just because John was a part of the episode. um, Sure. And everyone loves John. Uh, And I would say that, you know, I only enjoyed it because we had John on the show. I think this was (laughs) the the least fun that I had watching the movie because I'd seen it too soon. Uh, It was too soon for me. I didn't enjoy watching it again. Um, I actually enjoyed it less than the first time, Um, but I did enjoy talking to John about it and going through that, and I enjoyed that episode that we did together. And really, that's more what this is about. You know, it's not about how much we like the movies, it's how much we enjoyed the
1: segment. Well, it's very clear now, how much we like the movie, the winner is Spider-Man, how much we like the segment, the winner is Blade Runner.
0: And considering that really what we are asking for is what was the better segment, then we should go with Blade Runner Final Cut. All right, let's do it. Um, I also love that originally in the voting document, I called it director's cut and was corrected by John no! Siracusa.
1: No, that's not what it's called, Mike. Of Correction. all
0: people to be corrected by, he was the person, the only person yep. that noticed it. Uh, and then I had to go in and fix it. Yep. Favorite book,
1: which is where I leave the room. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, My favorite book this year that I read this year is I, I I thought about a bunch here, but I'm picking Borderline by Michelle Baker, which is was one of the Nebula nominees. It was one of the, you know, best novel of the year in one of the science fiction fantasy categories. It is a kind of, I would say, noirish, in a way, detective story, except set in the present day. Um and there are fairies <laughs> okay and the main character is like a great noir investigator um she is really messed up she has borderline personality disorder she she tried and failed to kill herself um so she's a um multiple amputee she's got Um, she's got to use prostheses uh, to walk. She's amputated below the knee in one leg and above the knee in the other. Um, So she's got lots of issues. She's got mental health issues. She's got physical issues. And uh, it turns out she's got supernatural issues. And yet it, it feels like the whole book feels, and it's set in Hollywood. So it's definitely got that, like the Hollywood, the LA noir, like it's, it's uh, it's well lit, but still everything is dark and awful. <laughs> um, and uh, and and the fantasy element of it, I'm not a big. I keep saying I'm not a big fantasy person. I don't read a lot of fantasy, but I I think I, I the ones I pick seem to be good ones. Uh, you know, I only read them if everybody is acclaimed to them. And this is a part of a series now. I read the sequel this year as well, and it's very good. But um. Borderline, I really recommend it. It's it's very good. There are other books that I read that were close. A Close in Common Orbit by Becky Chambers is really good. Death's End by Chishin uh, Liu, which is a uh, the third book in a trilogy of totally weird Chinese science fiction novels that were translated and are award winning um, for good reason. They're so strange and good, uh, so almost like visionary in the ideas. There's Death's End has more ideas in it than like 20 other science fiction novels and like every chapter there's another just wild science fiction idea that he just poured into the book instead of like saying okay that's a good idea i could write a whole book about that like nope just throw it in there move on to the next idea in the next chapter but i think the big, my most pleasant surprise in the book that I, I i really ended up liking the most and thinking about and recommending to people which is always for me the the question is borderline
0: All right, so The Upgradians voted 8% uh, Artemis by Andy Weir, a 15% The Caledonian Gambit by Dan Warren. (laughs) I have read that one many times. Incomparable and FM, and 19% Turtles All the Way Down by John Green.
1: I feel like uh, with this and some of the other nominees, I'm seeing that sort of like people like discovered you through Cortex and then followed you to this show. I feel like that YouTube influence coming through here, maybe. I noticed
0: that quite significantly yeah. when it came to favorite book, that Turtles All the Way Down by John Green would would win that. That was very interesting to me, like would, would win the Upgradians vote. So Jason, I'm leaving this one completely down to you.
1: Um, well, I, I've said what my choice is. And uh, so why not just, because we love him, uh, say the Caledonian Gambit by Dan yeah, Warren. Everybody should I go really out there wanted. and get
0: it. That's all I yeah. really wanted. Um, I've, I'm I'm i I'm waiting for the audiobook version that will hopefully come one day. Uh, no, it's out. Will... Is it out now? When did that it's happen? Out. A, there... Yeah, the audiobook it came out like a few months ago. Yeah, sure. <sighs> no one tells There's me an anyway. audiobook. All right, well I'm going to go get the audiobook now. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh great, so I'm going to do that then. Uh, so I maybe would have voted for it, but we're going to go with the Caledonian Gambit by Dan Warren as the upgrady. Uh, book
1: of the year which i'm very very excited about if th- I'm very for those who would like happened. to accuse us of nepotism and giving an award to our friend yep yeah we i mean, choose well i will but i will <laughs> although, say though, although honestly the upgradians are the ones who nominated yeah, it right th- this so, is what i was yeah. gonna say right like that
0: 15 percent of the vote which again like that's really close like to to the to the winner of the upgradians right like 15 19 like that's close and you've read the book, you like the book, so that makes sense when it comes to deliberation. The, the Caledonian yep. Gambit by Dan Warren, and it's going to be the first thing I do once we stop recording today is to go and download the audiobook that I didn't know existed. So we have finished the uh, media and pop culture category, and we are moving into technology But before we do that, let's take a break and thank our second sponsor for this week's episode, and that is our friends over at Squarespace. Use the offer code UPGRADE at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create the website that you have for your next idea. And with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, you know we love awards on this show, and so much more, Squarespace. The place you need. Oh, hey, more awards. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help as well, they're going to be right there to help you. Squarespace have all of the tools that you're going to need to put that website online they have the ability to add blog support portfolio support with galleries you can put in music players to show off your amazing beats you can even sell stuff in stores they you can add a store you can add a store to sell physical or digital goods to your squarespace website it's so easy but you know what there's nothing to install there are no patches to worry about there are no upgrades needed. It's all there. It's an all-in-one platform. You just do everything in the web browser. Super easy to use. No experience required. And even if you do know what you're doing, trust me, Squarespace just makes it easy. they got it covered. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a free trial today with no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com. You can play around with it. You get a full access to everything so you can make sure Squarespace is right for you. It will be, and when you do decide to sign up for a plan, use the offer code UPGRADE and you'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Upgrade and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, Jason. All right. Favorite Apple product. (laughs) This one's a bit of a runaway and is not surprising. Um, I'm actually going to go with the Upgradians first, uh, just so we can provide some difference. Uh, at seven percent, the Apple Watch Series Three. At eighteen percent, the iPad Pro ten point five, and at forty four percent, the iPhone ten. Uh, there were a bu- I will say just just to say there were a bunch of votes uh, for the AirPods in here. Um, I didn't include them because technically they were a twenty sixteen thing.
1: And and I think they won. I think the AirPods won the favorite they Apple won. product last year. Uh,
0: let, well, I can tell you. Favorite Apple product of 2016 was, in fact, AirPods. Like, that was a thing. We also, I will note as well, uh, we made a decision on last year's episode to make a change to this category. This category is now only Apple made products. Previously, this was um, anything within the Apple ecosystem, including third parties. And we decided to just make this Apple made only. Um, so that is why there are just Apple products in this. There are no accessories okay. or anything like that. So, iPhone ten, right? I mean, come on, like it was yeah. incredible. Uh, it is incredible. I love my iPhone ten.
1: I thought for a minute about just being completely contrary and saying the iPad Pro uh, second generation twelve point nine because it's great, but mm-hmm. it's not that different from the first generation twelve point nine. And uh, come on, yeah, it's the it's the iPhone ten.
0: Like, look the, the iPad Pro twelve point nine, and even to a point the ten point five are great in every way the previous ones were. Yeah, right. I mean, they got the one hundred and twenty hertz stuff, they got the promotion, which is really nice. But the iPhone ten is better than previous iPhones in basically every single way. Right? Like, they've everything has been improved in them, and it is the leap ahead that we've kind of been clamoring for for the last couple of years. And it's just, and the more and more I have used this phone, the more it becomes a part of my life. The more and more I've integrated it into my life, the more and more I love it. And months in, I still look at it and I'm like, "What are you, future technology?" Like I, I still look at it and I'm like, "How, how is this thing?" Um, and I absolutely love it. And as more and more apps embrace their design and change and adapt their design, it only gets better and better. Um, so funnily enough, this is uh. This is the only uh, upgrady that so far this year where there is no runner-up, because the way that I'm considering runner-ups for this one and going forward is like the, the top pick. So my pick, your pick and the upgradian's top pick. Well, they were all the same, <laughs> and it's the yep. iPhone 10. And, and yep. I think that that is a huge statement that there is just one for this one, because everything else, whilst great, is far away. and uh, the iPad Pro 10.5 is incredible. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Favorite non-Apple product. Jason, I want you to go first for this one, and there's a very good reason for that.
1: Okay. Um, Sure. I struggled with this one a little bit. Trying to think, what came into my life this year that that I wanted to single out here? And I had two that I thought of. And one is on the smart home side, which is I complain... Um, sometimes about smart light bulbs and the idea of smart light bulbs because now you're buying, every light bulb you buy has to have Wi-Fi and then when it dies, it dies and then you have to get another light bulb with Wi-Fi in it and it seems a little bit much, seems kind of complicated. You've got these bulbs that are extra hot because now they're running, you know, Wi-Fi circuitry in addition to being a light bulb. And this year I bought a bunch of uh, Caseta smart switches from Lutron and... uh. I think they're really great. And I installed them myself, replaced old light switches, and they are exactly what you'd think. The Wi-Fi is in the light switch. (laughs) And as a result, I don't need to buy smart bulbs. I just replaced my light switch. And now I have a light switch that is not only a physical light switch, but it has a remote control and it works with HomeKit. And I've got these on a couple places in my house and I will add more. And it it allows me to make my home lighting smarter without ripping out existing lighting and replacing it with new expensive smart lighting. So, um, like my living room now, we just we actually don't even use HomeKit most of the time. We just use there's a remote control in our living room that turn that dims the lights. It's great. So I love that, um, and that's really helped me kind of embrace HomeKit. I would say. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is another favorite uh, non-Apple product this year. Oh, the irony <laughs> is the uh, Intel Nook Mac Mini that isn't. That's a, you know, I've got a core i5 um, little tiny computer with SSD only in it. And it is, I've written about it a couple of times. It's the, it's the Mac Mini Apple should make, basically. It's a really small Um, modular. It's built around SSD. Uh, It's got a Thunderbolt 3 slash USB-C port on the back, as well as four USB-A ports and an HDMI video out. It's pretty great. I would love to see an Apple version of that. It could be a little bit different, but having used that Intel Nook for a little while now in my house, um, it's a great little computer. This teeny tiny fits in the palm of your hand computer. And it makes me wish that it was a favorite Apple product instead of a non-Apple product.
0: So my pick is the Nintendo Switch. And this was one of those categories where I'm like, oh man, I, this is one that I really hope uh, I'll be where well, to go my way because I love my Nintendo Switch. You know, it's my favorite games console ever because I'm able to live the dream that I've had since I was a kid of being able to take my games with me everywhere and they're the same games. I can play them at home. I can play them on the sofa in my hands. I can take them on the plane with me. And the Nintendo Switch has completely changed the way that I play video games. Now it's like I want all my games to be on the Switch or I don't want them at all. It's kind of how I feel. And there's many people that are this way, which doesn't surprise. Well, so now when I look at it, I'm unsurprised. This is how the voting has gone for favorite non-Apple product. The Amazon Echo came in at 4%. The Google Home Mini came in at 5% from Robert Gradian's vote. The Nintendo Switch took home the largest single voting percentage of the night with 60% of upgradians voted for the nintendo switch as their favorite non-apple technology product for 2017 that's huge like i think the highest we get up to other than that is a 45 percent vote which is coming up a little bit later on
1: and uh well you know iphone 10 at 44 no and breath of the wild was was way up there Mm -hmm. 41 but here's the thing um I think it's got to be this. I I bought one. My my problem is that I don't get to play it much because my son has taken it away from me. But it's great. It's like I I and I refer you to all the podcasts in which you've talked about Nintendo, but Basically Remaster since March. Every episode yeah. of Remaster since March. Yeah, the Switch is really good and it's also for people who have bought Nintendo hardware. I mean, look, I said I earlier I have a Wii U for Pete's sake. Um it's good it's good to see Nintendo do good hardware. Um no it is not cutting edge. They still make weird decisions, but the fact that it is um, playable as a handheld or as a portable or as a docked on your TV console, um most of the time I see my son playing it, it is actually uh on the TV with uh with the controllers um on in the little, you know, controller holder thingy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I'll go with that. That's it's it's a great uh, a great idea, well executed.
0: Again, a couple of things on it, right? Which which does make it so amazing. This is one of the greatest comebacks of a company in history. Like Nintendo looked like that they had basically completely lost it at the point with the Wii U, right? Everything that they were able to build up with the Wii was just being squandered, and just a couple of weeks ago. The Nintendo Nintendo announced that they've sold 10 million Nintendo Switches, which in the games console world is a really, really big number. Um, Like when PlayStation were able to talk about the fact that they'd sold 10 million PS4s, it was big, big news. But what makes that even more impressive is that is with no holiday season. Nintendo sold 10 million before the holiday season from March to then, like to March to the beginning of December, which is incredible. Um, so I'm very excited to see when Nintendo were able to go with the Switch because they seem to have turned the tide in an almost unprecedented way. Um, it looked like at some like you know people were saying like oh you know Nintendo should give it up and just make iPhone games, but they showed everybody, didn't they? Bravo, Nintendo. So now we're into one of my favourite categories, which is the worst <laughs> gadget or most disappointing technology of the year. Uh, for me, I am going <laughs> to go with the Bridge keyboard. Um, this is a, if you are an upgrade listener, you will be familiar with my almost three episode arc of trying to get a, one of the Bridge external keyboard case things for the iPad Pro 12.9. Um, I had, I think, two units, um, and neither of them worked reliably. I was getting missed keys, and Jason had his problems of his, and he ended up getting one that worked. But then again, like um, I think S- Stephen had a ten point five, and his wasn't working. Federico yep. Vettici had twelve, like two twelve point nine ones, and neither of his worked. Jason got the golden egg uh, of one of these keyboards that works on the third try. On the okay, also on the third try, uh, I think that it is just. Just straight disappointing. Like this is this is the piece of technology that has annoyed me, has angered me the most this year, uh, because of all the hassle that I had to go through as well.
1: And and the killer is if it worked, I would recommend it far and wide to people because it's it's a great piece of uh, you know ergonomic design and the fact that it's got the the clips on it. You slide the iPad Pro in, you can pull it out really easily, Mm -hmm. and you've got a laptop. It's you know I I love using mine, and yet. I can't really recommend it because, I mean, I've re- every now and then somebody says, oh, what's that thing that you wrote about or what's that thing that you use? And I'll say, well, it's the bridge keyboard. But, but be warned, they have quality problems and you may have to return it. Um, like, just bottom line, make sure it works when you get it. And it's not a reliability problem where it gets bad over time. It's a, it doesn't work out of the box. You type not even that fast and characters drop. And it's and it's just I think they have bad Bluetooth chips or something like that, and I am baffled why they have not gone through and checked all of their products and pulled the stuff out. Um, so at this point, what I what I keep saying is I would really like someone else to make a, a keyboard that's like the Bridge keyboard except reliable. And and also I'll say the most disappointing thing is all of the conversations we've had about it. The company has never said a word, which leads me to believe, honestly, and again, this is just speculation. And and if Bridge would like to write in, they can correct me. It leads me to believe they're well aware that they have a quality problem and they don't care. They're just trying to unload those units to people who are not paying attention, which is kind of, you know, it's unconscionable. So it's great that I've got one that works, but Uh, super disappointing, right? I mean, I I think not in the worst gadget category as much as the most disappointing tech. It's like, it's a really cool idea. And, you know, some large percentage of them don't work right. Yeah, it's just disappointing and frustrating. Yep. Yep. I like yours. I like your pick. I can see it in here. Explain it. It's a little conceptual, but when I was thinking about most disappointing tech this year, I did think about the bridge keyboard because... Uh, you know, everybody else I know has tried to get one that works like mine and and failed. Um, I'm going to say Apple's smart connector technology is the most disappointing tech of the year. I say this because when the iPad Pro was announced, we all got excited like, ooh, Apple has released a new connector type. It's magnetic. You can use the smart keyboard with it. This is really interesting. There there are some third-party devices. Where will this take us? And the answer is nowhere. I think there are fewer than 10 smart connector-capable accessories on the market, three of which are the Apple Smart Covers for the three different sizes. Um, When the new iPad Pros came out, there was not a rush to the new 10.5 design, which was like, oh, this is going to be big. And it, and, it, and the sales figures have actually been pretty good. Like, this is this is a winner of a product. Where are the, where are the smart connector products for it? There's almost none. Um, the smart connector product that we did get for the 10.5 was disappointing, right? The third-party case from Logitech. Mm-hmm. And it never made its way to the iPhone. It... Which, I mean, maybe maybe that's fine. Maybe it was never intended to be the iPhone. Maybe it really was intended to be a keyboard thing. I'm starting to think that the reason the smart connector was there was entirely to enable the smart cover. And at some point they're like, why don't we let Logitech build a keyboard for it too? Like, why not? We'll, we'll say that it's open. But obviously, almost nobody wants to make uh, uh, one of these. Um, perhaps because the size of the, the iMac uh, or the iPad Pro market is so small. And it's only on the iPad Pro, whereas if you make a Bluetooth keyboard, you can make it from more devices. Um, I don't know, but I look at the smart connector and think, this is something that we were really excited about. And like, it's just nothing now. It's almost nowhere. And while it works great on the smart keyboard, like, where are the other accessories for it? Where are the other attempts to make different to get back to the bridge keyboard like to make other kinds of ipad pro accessories keyboards whatever cases that embrace this thing and you know there's nothing it's just uh it's just a. it's turned out to just be a thing for apple to put in that one product yeah it's a
0: shame right because anything else that there has been like that logitech charging stand is just kind of pointless really
1: yeah, well, it doesn't. It's not adjustable, and yeah. charging through the smart connector is Very really slow. slow. Yep. yeah. So it's not almost, really why it's there. Yeah,
0: I mean Federico's made this joke a bunch, and he's completely right. It should just be called the keyboard
1: connector because that's all it is. Right. That's he, as far as we can tell. That is that is about all it can do. Yeah.
0: The Upgradians voted five percent most disappointing product is the Apple TV. At fifteen percent is the MacBook Pro, and at sixteen percent is the Pixel Two XL. Now. <laughs> Pixel 2 XL, in this case, I'm almost discounting this from the discussion because I don't believe that the 16% of people that voted for this actually use this product. And, like, really, this makes more sense in the screw up category. Uh, You know what I mean? I feel like people are just throwing it in there because it was a bad product for some people. Um, I don't know if this is, like, something that our listeners were personally very disappointed about. Um, But, you know, all 16% of you can let me know. But, considering how many people voted. There would have been a lot of people. Um, But anyway, the MacBook Pro is in there as well at 15%. I understand that. Actually, many people, Jason, like a significant percentage of this, actually said MacBook Pro keyboard, like specifically.
1: (laughs) That would have been a good Um, pick.
0: Um, so, but I lumped it all in with the MacBook Pro because I figured that all worked together and it it brought it up into the fifteen percent bracket because otherwise it would have been way lower if it would have just been one or the other. Um, but so yeah, that the MacBook Pro was a, was an upsetting one for people. Uh, where do you where do you want to go with this? I don't know. What do you think? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say the MacBook Pro because I have a MacBook Pro and I'm fine with it. Like it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I mean, I know that there are problems with them, but like it's in the same vein that I don't necessarily think that Pixel 2 XL should be here.
1: No, uh, let's let's uh let's put the Smart Connector to use for once. Yeah, and give it an give it an
0: award. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know. So the the Smart Connector is our most disappointing.
1: Congratulations, technology. Apple! Your are
0: award-winning Smart Connector
1: technology now award-winning.
0: So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in our, uh, in our kind of our, our history here. We're going to get smart connector, bridge keyboard, and I'm going to put the MacBook Pro in um, as the, the other runner-up uh, right. coming from our gradients because I think that might be a more actual representative yeah. use case um, of what's going on. So another one of on my favorites, the favorite tech story. Of the year. So the, the theme or specific story that was the most interesting to you, to me, to our listeners. Um, we're going to start with the upgradians on this one, Jason. Okay. Uh, net neutrality and all of the hubbub and the repeal and everything that has happened over net neutrality comes in at 4%. The Mac Roundtable, where a bunch huh. of uh, Apple executives apologized for their lack of focus on the Mac, also came in at 4%. With 30% was the HomePod firmware leak. And this is also my favorite tech story of the year. Um, I This was wonderful because it was a rare and strange thing to occur for this firmware to come out. But then it sparked maybe three, four weeks of stories as people were digging further and further into the uh, the SDK or the... What what was it? It was firmware. Firmware, actually. Sorry, SDK. Into yes. the firmware. Taking a look inside of the operating system that was going on the home pod and finding uh, hints to things for so many, so many products. And as somebody who comments on this at a time where it should have been you know, historic history would say really quiet, like leading up to some product launches. We had a ton of really interesting things to talk about. So, my the HomePod leak was my one of my favorite, if not my favorite tech story of the year
1: a good one that was uh i i I don't know how i feel about about it as a favorite Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think there there may be another category that we have Uh coming up
0: we're going to talk about it in just a minute
1: (laughs) uh that that might be a better fit for it because did i enjoy that it was fascinating though here's I, i try to be conceptual with this one too and um my favorite tech story of the year is announcements of overreaching smartphones Uh, And I have two examples, which is Andy Rubin's Essential Phone, which was was brought out with a huge amount of hype and with all the arrogance of someone with the power of Google and Android behind them to back up their statements without actually having that behind them. Uh, A phone that... They, you know, it's a, it seems like a nice phone. It shipped late it's a high end phone that they were going to ship a very small number of it certainly didn't match the hype. Like the, they admitted at one point that the volume that they were possibly able to sell of it was extremely low. Um, I don't really like the hype. I don't really like Andy Rubin. Um, and I, I think in hindsight, there are a lot of tech journalists who look at the coverage of that and would say, Why? Why did we do that other than to fill space on the internet? Um, And even more than that is the uh, Red Hydrogen One phone, which is the guy who runs the company that makes the red cameras, declaring that he's going to reinvent the smartphone business by creating a a very expensive phone with a holographic screen and all sorts of special materials. And it's going to do things. No other device has ever done. And it's going to cost a fortune and you'll pre-order it now because you love my company and it'll ship eventually. And we don't even have a, you know, anything other than kind of a shaky pre-production unit for people to see right now. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, that's going to be a flop too. That's going to be a disaster too um and uh i think that's an interesting trend where people are coming out of the woodwork and saying oh yeah we can make a high-end smartphone too and it's just going to roll on out and you know and a couple thousand people will buy it and then you can't really run a company like that so i thought that was an interesting trend so that that is what i nominate for my favorite tech story of the year yeah this
0: is interesting so my kind of take on that that the essential Phone was really hyped and it was a lot of people really liked it, but that there were still problems with it. And yeah, you're right. Like they were never going to sell a lot of them. And now Andy Rubin's gone from the company uh, and yep. now they're probably going to disappear because uh-huh. all they had was Andy Rubin. And now he's yeah. taken a leave of absence because of uh, everything that he had been up to, like so many mm-hmm. people that have been caught out now, which is great. But he's gone, so I can't imagine them sticking around for much longer. The red hydrogen, I agree, is a lot lot of noise and a lot of smoke. We haven't actually seen the phone yet, so who knows? right? Like, we feels like say, snake oil to me. Feels like snake oil. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, and that's, there is that's why point. I would
1: say a fa- as a favorite story, I mean, maybe it'll be brilliant and groundbreaking and totally change how phones work. But to me, it looks like, again, somebody who's had a success in another product category who's just decided that he's going to do this product and it's going to take the world by storm and is going to discover it's hard to make a phone and hard to ship it and hard to ship it in any volume at all and it'll be a it'll be a flop. But right now, it's not a flop. It's, Snake oil. Yeah, I've seen
0: people that have seen a production pre-production unit and have been impressed yeah. by it, right? But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's going to be that good when it ships. They might not be able to do it at volume. We'll have to wait and see. And then another interesting uh, add to this is Razer, the um, the the gaming uh, periphery right. and, and, and computer maker. They made a phone, um, like the Razer phone, which is apparently very good. They put a one hundred and twenty hertz display in their phone, and size nice. Apparently it's incredible. So like they're one that like they did it, but they're not probably not going to sell a lot of them either. Right. But like they actually
1: did made a phone that's really good. But they probably won't sell a lot. So that's no, a I, game gaming phone for gamers. That's mm-hmm. not a bad idea, and it's also you know it's also not uh, you know a thousand dollars or two so thousand dollars. No, they, they they're something. not trying to change
0: everything, but they're focusing like in a way that smartphones tend to be like this is the smartphone for everyone, right? That's what everyone's trying to build. But they're like, no, no, yeah. we're making a smartphone for gamers, and it's gonna yeah. it's gonna have these huge speakers on the front of it because that's what you would want, and it's gonna have a headphone jack because that's what you want, and. It's gonna have a 120 hertz display, and they're working with a bunch of uh, game developers to like get like 120 frames per second going on. And yeah, it's like a it's like a whole big deal. But I do like this category, and I kind of want to reserve the HomePod uh, for our next because I think that that's an easy win for the next category. So why yeah. don't we go with overreaching smartphones as uh, as a favorite tech story of the year? Because it has been very interesting to watch this trend this yeah. year, which has been different to previous years in that like. For whatever reason, in 2017, a bunch of companies believed that they could make a phone and it would be the best phone ever. And uh, that has yet to happen. Um, because the funny thing is, Samsung and... Uh, I mean, do you know what? Even maybe Google could fall into this category with the Pixel 2. They overreached a little bit, right? Like, And, and they, they extended themselves past maybe what they could have done and they settled on lower quality hardware parts for the 2XL and they didn't get the good screens that they maybe should have should have gotten. So it's been interesting this year to watch companies that are clearly trying to compete with Apple and Samsung and falling short in some way. Yep. Favorite tech screw-up? For every single reason that I mentioned, the HomePod leak. Uh, it was almost hilarious how much of a mistake this one ended up was. You know, like, wild to think, like all of your product releases will come out because somebody uploaded somewhat something somewhere accidentally and left it there for a weekend
1: a public update to firmware for a product that is not even going to ship for until the next year as it turns yeah. out because that's the other funny thing about it is like that product ended up
0: getting delayed anyway right like it's like right. oh but oh it was gosh. nowhere
1: near shipping so no. why is there a public channel where the firmware for the home pod mm-hmm. is sitting? And then it's, it's all ridiculous. the information
0: that it ended up having in it, which it probably just shouldn't have had at that point anyway. You know, like, like outlines for the iPhone 10. Like, my gosh. So a wonderful, wild story. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll just read the other two that the upgradians voted because that's right at the top. So Juicero at 7%, Uber at 8%. And the HomePod Firmware leak at 45%. Um, it was really interesting to me to see um, that the root bugs and stuff like that, whilst voted for, did not make the top three. And Uber, by yeah. the way, is just Uber, right? Uber. Because like it's impossible to pick just one thing that they did wrong this year. No, no, There's I think that's so the way
1: to do it. It's just general f- yep. uh, free-floating Uber yep. badness.
0: Yep. And uh, yeah, that is, they're in there. Uh, they've been in here. They've been in before. 2014. Uber screw ups was a runner up, so they haven't
1: really changed uh, in the last few years. So, you, what is your pick? Um, I, I had to say uh, Juicero or Juicero, however you want to pronounce it. I always think of Canyon Arrow. I know Canyon Arrow is exactly what I think of. Um, uh, the this is the startup that created a high end um, juicer where you would buy packages with barcodes on them and it would check the barcodes over the internet and make sure that they were still fresh and then they would dispense juice into a cup and you would drink the juice. And some reporters, uh, and, and, and the hardware was amazingly over-engineered. It's this incredibly expensive, over-engineered piece of hardware and there was a wonderful blog post by a hardware engineer saying, this is not how you de- gen- design first-generation hardware. Keep it simple. Start simple and then iterate. Yep. Um And some enterprising reporters found that you could just buy the uh, Juicero packs and squeeze them out and not use the incredibly engineered, uh, expensive piece of hardware to dispense the juice. You could just squeeze them out. And uh, yeah, that company died.
0: There's a pretty good business model ruined by overexpensive hardware. Like the business model of shipping people the fresh juice packs that they could juice was fine. But having this like multiple hundred dollar machine that did it, ridiculous right like just send some something to people that they can just push and it squeezes out right like a press of some description but they want it to be super fancy and it be connected to the internet and then that ruined the company so what do you want to do HomePod leak is number one and ChuCera was the runner-up yeah that's that that's fine so this is a fun one where one thing gets in the same year a runner-up in one category and the winner in another So, Bravo, Apple. I guess. Dumb pod leak. This is not. I when we created these categories, like the favorite tech screw up category. I don't know if I ever expected Apple to be winning it with such a wide margin, but that was a big old screw up. And uh, our last. Uh, technology slash hardware related thing this year is the most life-changing hardware. They're Upgradians voted as such: Nintendo Switch at 11%, the Apple Watch at 21%, which is the highest the Apple Watch ranks in any of the awards so far of the night, and AirPods at 43%. Um, for me, this totally works. Um, I think for the life-changing hardware thing, it doesn't necessarily have to be released in the year, but there has to be something significant. And for me the reason that i consider airpods in here as being totally fine is most of our listeners probably didn't get them until 2017 so for me like i think that that is
1: totally valid to have airpods in this category um jason where are you um i put i, I thought about this too cuz life changing it's like that's a big that's a high bar and i feel like it's a different set of rules it's like how, how what am i using day in and day out so i thought about like the uh, cellular apple watch because I, I really like how that um Uh, Once or twice a week, I'm going running um, and uh, something people may not know. uh, One of the challenges of working at home here is uh, the dog needs to get walked and I need to exercise and the dog doesn't want to run with me on a leash like she won't do it. So I have to choose and it becomes this thing where I either have to go out twice, which is not great because that's a lot of time where I have to choose like walk the dog or exercise. And I found a a path, um, a fire road that I can run on. That's not too far away from here. It's like a five minute drive. And I can, I can take her out there and she will, she will stay with me when I'm running ish, like enough. And she doesn't have to be on a leash on the fire road. Um, And I took, uh, so I've gone up there a bunch of times with just my Apple watch and my AirPods. It's amazing. Like I'm still in touch. I can listen to music. I can track my workout. I walk the dog. It's great. It's so great. I thought about it. and It's like, well, that's life changing in a limited way, but it is life changing. And I, I came back to having, honestly, having Amazon echoes in the house. And I think that's my nomination is having Amazon echoes around. We've got an echo show in the kitchen. Um, The kids use it all the time. Mm-hmm. I use it all the time. It's integrated with our smart home stuff. Um... It it is we use it we use it for cooking all the time and actually the nice one of the nice things about having a screen on the Echo Show is that it's displaying our timers and you can of course call out you know set a timer set a carrot timer for eight minutes set a pasta timer for twelve minutes and they stack up and then I loved that when they added that right and they say oh well oh your t- your pasta timer is done and all of that it's not a perfect product but I feel like it's integrated itself in our lives this year more than any other so that's the one that I'm going to nominate.
0: And this is exactly why, in 2016, the Amazon Echo won this category. Of course. But the thing is, for me, I completely agree with you because we're only adding more stuff to our house, right? Like This is a growing ecosystem in our home. And like so for the for this year for our Christmas tree we didn't have a Christmas tree last year this year we have a Christmas tree I've got it hooked up to a Wemo switch so I can turn the lights on and off right like that's not something I had last year but I do it now and it's fantastic I've had a Wemo switch sitting in my house for a year and I've not used it for anything because I didn't have anything that it really worked very well with but it's perfect for Christmas tree lights I'm gonna go with the 10.5 inch iPad Pro. I absolutely love this iPad. I consider it the perfect iPad. I think it is the best iPad ever made because I think it hits most people. Um, It has become the iPad. If I'm not at home, it's the iPad I'm using. It's the iPad I travel with. It's the iPad I take out to work with because 10.5 inch screen, that is basically enough, right? For me to be able to have multiple apps on screen and do what I need to do when I have a keyboard attached. The 12.9, for me, like when I'm traveling, it's a bit too big when i'm at home it's perfect and this is the model you know when i talk about you know it's, it is used as a joke but it's like a true thing the multipad lifestyle having two ipads and how you work with them and since i got the 10.5 the the idea of it has never become more clear of like having an imac at home and a laptop that you take with you like i have the 12.9 that stays at home and the 10.5 that comes with me and previously i would take the 9.7 and i would kind of wish for the 12.9 but I don't feel that way with the ten point five. I'm totally fine with it when I have it. It works great for me. I absolutely love this iPad. It looks great. It's got so many fantastic features. It is a great addition. So we haven't had this for for a while in our in our voting. The last couple of uh, categories have kind of stacked up. We have three completely different answers here, and uh, I want to know where you're where you're feeling at this point, Jason.
1: Well, I what what did what won this category last year? Amazon, the Amazon Echo. I think this is the category to give to the AirPods. I think, even though they came out right. last year, because I think that this was the year that they really set in for our listeners and for us. Let's be honest. I love the AirPods way more than I thought I would. Um, it's why we thought that that was the best Apple hardware last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I agree with how life changing that is. That has changed. Like I use wired headphones in very specific environments now: airplanes, mowing the lawn. <laughs> Yep. Noisy environments where I need to really shut out noise um and doing a podcast. But like if I'm just cooking dinner or whatever, plus the running scenario I mentioned earlier, it's all AirPods. They're great.
0: Yep. I uh I just lost my Sennheiser headphones that I use for planes. I left them on a plane. And I was really annoyed because I now needed to buy new headphones for the plane. Um right. in a way that like previously I would have been excited about the fact that I now had an excuse to buy new headphones. I was actually just kind of frustrated about it because it's like, oh, now I have to buy new headphones because I use them so infrequently, right? Because even sometimes when I'm on the plane, I already have my AirPods in, so I just never get the other ones out if I'm just listening to podcasts. Because plus, if I'm planning on listening to podcasts, I don't want to use the over-ear headphones anyway because I have to then get the adapter and it's a whole big mess, right? So it's I love my AirPods um, and they really are... Excellent and and genuinely are like when it comes to how technology can ch- change the way that you do things in your life, this is one of them, um, and and it makes a big difference. So yeah, completely on board with this. The AirPods are fantastic and and they definitely deserve this award. All right, Jason. So we have end we have come to the end of our technology section and our hardware Ooh. section of the night, and we are going into our final uh, section of categories, which is. Podcast related awards, and I know that this is what people listen to so in so intensely (sighs) is for the podcast related awards, and I think there's going to be some real contention as we get in to our final round. But before we do, let me take a moment to thank our third and final sponsor for the upgrades this year, and that is Casper. They are the company focused on sleep, dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spend a third of your life doing anything. Don't you want to make sure it's as best as it can possibly be? That's why you need Casper. Their mattresses are perfectly designed for humans of engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable, huh? Well, they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress that has just the right sink and just the right bounce. Their mattresses are designed and developed in the US and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on a trial. They deliver directly to your door. And let me tell you about how they deliver directly to your door. They deliver your mattress in a box. The box can be taken up the stairs. You take it out of the box, you put it on your bed and you're ready to to sleep on comfort let me tell you that is amazing and if for any reason you don't love your Casper mattress and I would be very surprised if you do not love your Casper mattress they have a hassle free return policy as well you can start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash upgrade and using upgrade at checkout terms like and conditions apply. trust me on this one go and get yourself a nicer night's sleep you won't believe how comfortable these things are Casper.com slash upgrade, offer code UPGRADE for $50 towards any mattress purchase. We thank Casper for their support of this show. Okay, so this is the category that changed everything for this year. Favorite tech podcast. So two things are happening with uh, our two main podcast awards, but this was the one that made a big change for us. So the favorite technology podcast. We have our first lifetime achievement Hall of Fame award winner. And that is the Accidental Tech Podcast. Since we have started the Upgradies, ATP has taken home the award every year. They are three-time award winners. Yeah, time to retire it. So, So when it came to doing the Upgradies this year, my feeling was, it is my favorite tech podcast, so I will probably just keep voting for it. So I figured, and we figured in talking about it, that maybe... We needed to look at how we had the Upgradients help out. So that's why your voting is so much more important than ever before. Um, and also this year, I actually don't have a pick because I wanted to, I want to pick ATP. It is, as well, like we're going to talk about this in a moment, a lot of my uh, podcasting habits have changed. I don't listen to as many tech podcasts as I used to. The only tech podcast that I listen to every single episode of is ATP. So yep. Same. that's where my vote would be.
1: So lifetime achievement award, hall of fame, put it in there, and we have yep. to we have to move on. I had two, uh, two that I wanted to mention. One on relay FM. So, there are rules here, and I think this I'm gonna complain about something in a second. I feel like there are unstated rules here that some people are following and some people are not. Okay. One of the unstated rules is, and I think this one is is a good one is nothing that we're on. Yeah. Or that well, we do. We haven't completely abided
0: by that in the past. We've just been awkward about it. So, like, the runner-up for 2014 was analogue. 2015 was Cortex and 2016 right. was the Six Colors
1: Secret Subscriber podcast. Okay, we try driven, and not vote I would for say ourselves, driven, but... I would say driven by the, per- the person who is not on those things, but it's true. Yeah. I'm not saying it's an actual hard and fast rule, but it's sort of a guideline. And the other guideline, which is a little bit weaker, is steering away from Relay a little bit, mm-hmm. because otherwise it becomes, again, it's sort of in that same ballpark of it's all just sort of self-congratulatory and all that, which is going to happen to a certain degree... Um Anyway, I have two picks. One is on Relay, which is Canvas with uh, Fraser and Federico talking about iOS stuff. I don't listen to every episode, but um, I pick based on topic. And I'm very interested to hear those guys because I, I always learn something new. I learn about a new app. I learn about a new technique. Um, I, I really enjoyed... They did an episode where they interviewed uh, the developer of Ferrite. And that was that was kind of fun to to listen to that 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 was their membership episode. I really like that. But I, I like that one as a person who also tries to use iOS for a lot of work stuff to hear those guys talk about it. And then the other one I wanted to mention is Mark Bramhill's Welcome to Macintosh, which is in its second season now and had a the emoji series that they that that they did that was really good. Um and has a few episodes have dropped since then too. I love that somebody is who who kind of gets us is taking the time to build a show that is at the quality of one of these you know storytelling you know former NPR slash uh, NPR or public radio kind of storytelling podcasts about Apple and related technology stuff. I, yep. I and Mark does a really good job with that. He did a Kickstarter. I backed the Kickstarter. I got some mm-hmm. stickers. And I think that's a really good show. So I wanted to mention those two. I will say in the upgrading vote, uh, Welcome to Macintosh missed out by like
0: half a percent to making it in. Um, So, I mean, okay, so here's the thing. Welcome to Macintosh got 12% of the vote. Um, This very show, Upgrade, got 13% of the vote. Okay, I want to
1: stop you right there.
0: Well, I know there's a reason I'm saying this. Right, Like, allow me to finish it, right? I don't okay. think that it's right. worth leaving Upgrade in at 13%, is what, is what I was going to say. Because two things. One, uh, why is th- this is the show. And two, I think that people... So this is my thing, and I'm just saying this, right? I think people think that they shouldn't vote for this show, so they don't. Because I think it would be higher if Upgrade was in the run-in,
1: because this is the show, right? This is what I mentioned earlier, is is I'm going to assume for my own benefit that a lot of people didn't bother nominating upgrade mm-hmm. because why would upgrade ever get an upgradey? It's silly.
0: Because it's never gonna win. We're never gonna win upgrade's never gonna win the upgradey.
1: If that's not true, then among people who care enough about upgrade to vote in the upgradeys, Upgrade is their fourth favorite tech podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a heck of a slogan we might want to put that on a t-shirt you know, uh-huh. your fourth my fourth favorite tech podcast as voted for by me
0: yeah in the uh-huh. upgrade so we're gonna remove upgrade so welcome to macintosh now sits in at 12 percent of the vote the talk show sits in at 17 percent and i will say this is a big surprise for me connected at twenty-seven percent. i wouldn't have expected that to occur thank you to everybody that voted so here we are we are at a, a big impasse. I have no nomination in this, and that, I think that's going to remain. I, I'm not going to bring in a late nomination because, you know, I really like Upgrade and Connected. <laughs> like, I like, you know, <laughs> I like listening to those shows all the time. Uh, I would love to win an Upgradey, but I don't need to. Um, honestly, I really like Welcome to Macintosh. Let's give it to Mark Bramhill. I think we should. And the the reasons for this, for me, is like, look, I'm never going to fight to win an award for myself. That just seems ridiculous. Honestly, I will say, like, the fact that nearly a third of you voted for Connected is all I really need. That's as much as I need to win an award. I just appreciate that you enjoy the shows, right? Um, Welcome. The the talk show uh, is a fantastic show one of the things for me here is basically every single one of you gave it a different name. So it was very difficult for me to collate the vote on that one. So I'm a little bit frustrated there. I think it was like 17 different versions of the way people wrote wrote the name of the show for me to make up the 17%. But the thing is, like Jason said, uh, obviously I'm not being, that's just funny, whatever. Like Jason said, welcome to Macintosh is an incredible production. Uh, Mark is a great guy. The show is very good. If you're not listening to it, you should. And I think a great way to maybe make more people listen to that show is to give it the Upgradey. So the upgrade award winner for 2017 is Welcome to Macintosh, which is really the third place. Because, come on, guys. Like we, I love that you have voted for Upgrade, <laughs> but we're never giving ourselves an award. But thank you for voting. Uh, we appreciate that. And we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna go with Canvas. We are gonna go with Canvas and Connected as our runners up um, for for this year. So thank okay. you very much to that. But the winner is welcome to Macintosh. So we get into favorite non-tech podcast. Now, this is my category. This is the this is the one that I'm really gonna push on. But before we do, okay a second Lifetime Achievement uh, Hall of Fame award winner is the Flophouse. The Flophouse has won for the last three years, like ATP. So the Flophouse can no longer be in the running, can no longer be in the vote. So congratulations to the Flophouse for their uh, Hall of Fame award yep. that they will win. I'm going to go with the upgradings first. Again, with this, 7% is Reconcilable Differences, um, yes. which I believe RecDiffs is a... They are a runner-up. They were a runner-up in 2015 for favorite yeah. non-tech podcast.
1: I I was tempted to. Uh, the, my challenge with Rectifs is that it's is it is it a tech podcast or not a tech podcast? Yeah, <laughs> I'm i sure mean not okay. sure what it is. Rectifs
0: did win a uh, podcast newcomer in 2015 as well, so they right. are a previous uh, upgradey award winner. Um, another uh, previous award winner, the podcast newcomer award winner of last year was by Friday, which is sitting in at 29% of the vote for favorite non-tech podcast. And the and another previous uh, runner-up for uh, favorite podcast for two years, it's, it's been a runner-up in 2014 and 2016, is Hello Internet, with 32% of the vote. Uh, Jason, can you give me your nomination?
1: My nomination is, uh, I, I thought about this a lot because there are so many in here. I, I think I mentioned Buffering the Vampire Slayer last year, which was really you good.
0: Did. That was mentioned a bunch at PodCon, by the way. I kept hearing people talking about that show.
1: That's a good show. They, 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 it, it helps. I mean, it helps that the hosts are so great. Um, and they're doing you know music about every, there's a mm-hmm. song about every episode. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided this year to throw my support behind a show that my friend Tony Sindelar recommended to me. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast <laughs> by a bunch of, uh this, it, this may theme. sound familiar to you. This uh, Mike. A theme. <laughs> it's, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast by a bunch of very p- funny people. And then they record it and it's, and it makes you laugh. And, and yet there's also storytelling and character building and all of that. Now, I've described a lot of podcasts right there. I'll I'll specify it a little bit further. It is recorded live in front of a studio audience in Sydney, Australia, by a bunch of comedians from Australia. It's called Dragon Friends. I think I need to listen to this. It is hilarious. I've never heard of this show. I feel like I should have heard of it. It's it's really good. Um, the, the people are funny. They do a lot of like pre-rolling of dice and things, so that there's a there's not a lot of like let's look it up in the rule book stuff that slows things down. It's really more about the storytelling and the role playing. Um, very very funny. Uh, first season's uh audio is a little dodgy, but the second season is spectacularly funny. So I, I um and I just um a few months ago I was at a, a wedding with a bunch of people uh, who are friends of Tony's and um, somebody made a dragon friends reference and like five people all countered it with another line from dragon friends. And we had that moment of like, Oh my God, we've all uh, discovered this podcast through. I think Tony wasn't even the originator. I think he heard about it from one of them and then they all spread around. And it was hilarious to be in that moment when I'm suddenly surrounded by five people who know all the details of this obscure podcast that I listen to that nobody I know listens to, you know, other than Tony uh it's great so i recommend it it is a very fun uh very good uh D &D comedy podcast i need to talk about the adventure zone yeah do it the adventure
0: zone is my pick and i want to preface this with a very big statement so hypercritical the show by john syracuse i consider to be one of the greatest podcasts of all time was my favorite podcast of all time was the adventure zone is my favorite podcast of all time Jason, when I finished, so the Adventure Zone uh, has been going for multiple years. It's the McElroy brothers and their dad, Clint, they played together. Um, the, the first campaign was uh, DM'd by Griffin, and uh, the other three played. T- they played together. They have completed one large campaign, and now they're running through a bunch of mini campaigns before they decide on the route for their second campaign. I mean, the first campaign ran for like three years in total, I think it was. Um, I found it all as it was coming to an end and binged the entire thing uh, and basically caught up. The final episode had me sitting on my sofa crying my eyes out. I have never been affected uh, by a podcast in the way that I have this one. The story that they tell um, over the 69 episodes that it takes to finished the first campaign. It's like nothing I've ever heard in basically any medium. It's one of the greatest stories I've ever consumed. I love the adventure zone. Uh there are so many moments where I'm laughing. I have tears in my eyes. Uh I am rooting for them. There was a, a moment where a big thing happened and I fist pumped at the moment that I was doing some washing up and drowned my kitchen in soapy suddy water <laughs> because I was so taken by that moment uh this this podcast is just wonderful like and more than anything this evening this is one that i want to win and i beg of you that you allow me to call the adventure zone our favorite non-tech podcast of the year
1: did we not have this discussion a couple years ago about the flop house in the adventure zone
0: no, it was always the
1: flop house and Hello Internet. And, and, oh, it was Internet. That's if, right. If you remember, Jason, I let you win that first one. You let me. I know. Well, that's why I'm I'm casting my mind back to. You. So I have I have a couple comments about the Adventure Zone. We're, yep. First is you are not the only friend of mine who has had this, who's said this about the finale of the Adventure Zone. Um, I've heard from other people who have had the exact same reaction, which is incredibly emotionally affecting uh finale resolution of a storyline and the other thing i wanted to say is yes mike and i just picked dungeons and dragons podcast which may seem totally like weird to you dear listener if you have not ever done this what i'll say because having done my own total party kill we have our own on the incomparable D podcast as well And not really knowing why anyone would listen, but finding out that lots of people listen and really love it. What I've learned in thinking about this is what's great about these podcasts is you get a bunch of people, you get to know them, and you get to know their characters. Yep, You get to... You get to watch an unfolding story that goes in unexpected directions because the characters and the people involved drive it. There's no script that's been written. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Right. right. Even the dungeon master who who knows all the details of the world has, and the best ones are the ones, and this happens to us all the time, by the way, where after after it's over, the dungeon master says, Well, you didn't do a single thing that I thought you would. Right. And I feel like listeners really like that. They make a personal connection. They're listening to characters. In a story, but they don't know where it's going, and I think that I think that a lot of us who are used to watching TV and movies and reading books and and all of that, I feel like we get. Um, we get, we start to get trained to look for what would the writer do next? How would this story get told in the shape of a normal kind of a story? And you start second guessing the story or you're thinking, well, this is a big, this is a Marvel movie or a star Wars movie. And we know what's going to happen. Like there's a limited possibility. Whereas in these things, p- characters can die and nobody knows the death is coming until it happens because it's all about rolling dice and things like that. The weird, funny things emerge um, I have sung, improvised parody song lyrics, out loud in public with a recording, knowing people will listen to it while playing a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Right? I, why would I do? Why would I ever do that? And yet I have. So what I'm saying is, I understand why people like these. And if you have never played Dungeons and Dragons and you're like, why would I ever listen to one? You might want to give the Adventure Zone a try. Yeah. And I would say just friends.
0: super quick about The Adventure Zone, when you begin that show, you will not understand why I cried at the end of it. The Adventure Zone began as the McElroy brothers needing to fill a space where one of them was going on paternity leave from their other right. show, My Brother, My Brother and Me. So they were just messing around, and they came up with a dumb idea for a show, and they just did it. But people loved it so much, that they turned it into a story. I would say, really, like I know there are so many pieces of media where you get this advice, but try and get through the first campaign. Maybe I, it's under ten episodes, I think, because it's yeah. at the end of that first campaign is when Griffin is has started to write his own story. They they play with a standard Dungeons and Dragons story, like a campaign or arc, or whatever you'd call it.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's actually if, if people who have tried it, the fifth edition starter yeah. kit comes with that adventure i played that one with my family and so
0: like i mean i'm I'm maybe not using the, the the terminology correct i think i should say arc
1: and there are like six campaigns within the arc. yeah give it 10 episodes maybe i mean yeah. i i've listened to about 10 episodes and it, it is uh getting great yeah so it, once once
0: they get to the, the the campaign called murder on the rockport limited that's where it kicks off like which is yeah. the second part and that's where this is an original story um, and, and because that's when they are taking it very seriously at that point. Right. Um, and then later on, uh, Griffin writes all the music for the show, except the theme song. He writes the music, and that becomes more and more incredible as the show comes on and the use of music in the show, to the point where I've now bought all of the music and just listened to it constantly. <laughs> like, I'm obsessed by this show. It, it took over my life in a very interesting way. Um, and, and that's why and it's and that's the winner why, of the upgrade. You have to stop me, because I'll just keep going please listen to the adventure zone. Uh, I have convinced a bunch of people, a bunch of listeners of analog to listen to the show. And I get tweets every single day from people telling me, wow, I thought that you were wild, but it turns out you weren't.
1: And I- I'll just say the this genre is good. So like try the adventure zone. Um, if, if that doesn't work for you try, try Dragon, dragon friends. friends do you
0: recommend that I go to the start on dragon because eventually zone you must go to the beginning
1: i I I mean you'll miss i I started with season two of Dragon Friends because I got I downloaded season one and there's a, a disclaimer at the beginning that says sorry this sounds really bad and I was like ah, I'll just skip ahead and I didn't miss much I mean you have to you you're in the middle of the story give it a try and get, start at the beginning and if it doesn't work just skip to season okay. two
0: I imagine we are similarly sensitive to bad audio though. I mean yeah. yeah so
1: yeah they, they there was a claim that they were going to fix it but I'm not sure that ever happened um and then yes and and for those who want to hear me play D- Dungeons and Dragons you can listen to Total Party Kill cuz it's also available but I think this is a fun genre I think there's a reason that there are a billion D&D playthrough podcasts now there were not when we got started I think but no. um no, we, no uh, we didn't know what we were doing but but now it's a thing where like everybody realizes oh this is a this is actually a really great way to entertain people is by getting um getting interesting people in a room and having them play um this game because then they're inhabiting characters and stories play out and it's a lot of fun
0: so our final award at the evening goes to favorite podcast newcomer the upgradians voted as such 10% of the vote went to download. Congratulations, Jason.
1: Yay.
0: Um, 11, you, you see, well, that's, that's great because there were so many in this that like 11% goes to unmade, which is, uh, Brady Harron's new podcast. And 12% of the votes. It's very close in at the top is, uh, what Trump can teach us about con law, which I think is, it's a show. It's hosted by Roman Mars. Uh, I believe I, again, uh, I'm not very familiar with the top two Upgradians shows. I just know that they exist. Um, They're not shows that I've listened to very much. But download I have, and download's great. So congratulations on being up there. Um, My vote is another McElroy joint. It's called The McElroy Brothers Will Be in Trolls 2. This is a very hard podcast to explain. There have only been three episodes, and it is not a regular show. It, it'll only be updated when it's necessary. The show begins, again, this is another thing that happened on My Brother, My Brother and Me. It was a joke on the Bim Bam, Bam, which is another incredible show that I love so much, by the way, but The Adventure Zone just be out for me. Um, There was a joke in which Justin McElroy said, oh, we're going to be in Trolls 2. And the joke was, he was so sure of it, like it wasn't even a question. So the sequel to the Trolls movie. So the, the, they will be in Trolls ah, 2. Ah, yes. And then... Not to be
1: confused with the legendary bad movie Troll 2.
0: Yeah, this is a, a whole big joke as well in, in the episode. But Trolls 2, so a movie that doesn't yet exist, right? Uh-huh. This show, the, the, the kind of standalone show that they created, the McElroy brothers will be in Trolls 2, is told from the perspective of Justin from the future, telling the story... Of how they were in the movie. But they have, they're they not in the movie. And it is incredible. So there are three episodes. The first one, um, they've just done a live show in Portland. And they uh, some edible delicacies found their way to, to them. And that's how the story begins. Uh, because they're like planning this out a little bit more. Um, the second episode, do you know what? I don't actually remember the second episode very much. Because the third episode is one I've listened to multiple times where they have a call with their agent and it's a real call that they have with their agent and it is incredible and hilarious. So, it is, There's only three episodes to it, but of all the shows that I've listened to that I knew this year, I think this might be my favorite. Wow. It's a very low time investment because it is just so, it's yeah, a silly, wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. So mine is more serious, but I have to say, it was really brilliant, and it is the spin-off from Serial called S-Town.
0: I still haven't listened to it yet. It's been in my queue forever, uh, <sighs> but I haven't yet gotten to it.
1: Well, I think there's a question. So they dropped it as uh, the entire series dropped at once, and there, there was a lot of discussion of why that was and doing the Netflix model where you could binge it or not. I think it did make it in in some ways less essential for people like you, where it's like, well, it's all there for whenever. It's not rolling out over time. I'm not really missing anything. Um, I know why they did it, which is that there's actually a twist that happens fairly early on that everybody would be talking about. Um, Well, how should I put this? There's a twist that happens in like episode two or three that after episode one, if you had to wait a week or two, everybody would go to the internet to search about it. And have the twist ruined for them? That, does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Like you don't you don't want it to be spoiled like that. Yeah, because it's a real story that yep. really happened, and there's people introduced in episode one, and something happens to one of the people in episode two or three that if they had released it weekly, everybody would have been spoiled about an episode after episode one because they would have written about episode one and they would have looked up this person and they would have said, oh, did you know this about this person? And the whole thing is spoiled and it really is a twist. And that's why they did it. That's why they dropped them all. I think I'm yeah. I'm
0: convinced. Because you could probably just do some Googling and get the answer, right?
1: Right. So that led them to say, why don't we do this Netflix style and, and binge it? Anyway, it's really good. It's a you know, it's a story of, it is a story of the reporter. It becomes part of the story. He gets these calls from this kind of weird guy down in Alabama. And, uh, he, and it leads to like, well, maybe, maybe the, there was like a murder that wasn't enforced by like, because it was by a a rich person in this town. And he goes to investigate. And what ends up happening is it's not about that at all. It's about, it's about the town and the people and the people who are, who know this guy who made the call. And it, it just, it just keeps going in a way that talking about the D and D podcast before in a way that a really rigorously structured story by a writer would not go, but it's life and it's messy and weird and goes in unexpected dire- directions and it was really masterfully put together. Um, so I, I liked S-Town a whole lot. I thought it was really good. And so that's my, that's my nominee. I have no idea where to go with this one. I don't know what we do with this because it's just like a whole batch of... Different things. ...of, of, of, of stuff. And me and you
0: have only listened to our own shows. You don't right. want to vote for and- download... Uh, I mean, download's great. <laughs> <laughs> download is great. Go listen to download. <laughs> I mean, because you know, I could say S Town, but S Town's been the top of so many lists, but that's probably for a really good reason. Should we just go? Should we just go mainstream? Should we just go mainstream? Like, and just go with S Town? Let's do it. I feel like we should. I mean, again, I haven't listened to it yet, but it has been the top of so many lists. I know it must be good. It's really good. All right. So we're going to go. And so, with like, I really, S-Town.
1: I really liked serial, but this is like a whole other level of weirdness and, and, and it's just, it's very well, and it's personal. I mean, that's one of the things is that the reporter gets personally affected by the story as it goes, okay. which I think is, you know, that doesn't always happen. And sometimes it happens and it feels contrived and it does not feel contrived. Like it is, it is, yeah, it's really well done. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that if you are.
0: Sure am. And that's it. S-Town is the winner and our final winner Woo. of the night. Jason, we have done it for another year. We have uh, gone through our upgrades. I want to thank all of our Upgradians for their help um, in helping us uh, with, the, with the wins this year. You've really helped us, I think, a lot. Uh, there have been some great picks suggested by yes. our Upgradians. Um, and I'm really happy with how the awards have gone uh, this year. I'm very excited for next year. I mean, just taking a very quick tally, we don't have any. Um, we don't have any Hall of Famers that have occurred uh, as of this year. That's good. So everything's still up to play for next year. A bunch of new winners. bunch. There are a selection of returning winners, um, but uh, no, no new Hall of Famers. The Hall of Fame is three to win three times. You win three times, to go in the Hall of Fame. And so, All congratulations right. to ATP and the flop House for achieving uh, first achieving the Hall of Fame status so there we go until next year Jason
1: Snell thank you so much sh- as always you should do that again because it is next year okay well but it'll be next oh, year you though. mean the upgradees? yeah alright that was just I, I that was confusing to me okay Let me, I'll say that again then. alright
0: so Jason Snell until we reconvene on the upgradey awards next next year in yeah, I guess 2018 so. awards mm. uh, say goodbye Jason
1: Snell Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. We'll see you in a week.